you're listening to the Saluki Games Cast. This is episode 50. Waluigi. <laughs> sure, Waluigi. <laughs> Join in. Uh, it's July 21st, 2023. My name is Justin Young, and joining me as always, but for the last time as a group, is Alicia Utech, Ryan Frills, and OJ Duncan. How's everyone doing? Doing all right. I just got home yesterday from a month at home. So I just got back here yesterday. Everywhere is home. (laughs) (laughs) You got Um, back to your second home here in Carbondale. Yeah. (laughs) So still a little tired. It's a 12-hour drive, so it's a very long, boring Mm -hmm. trip. But How do you keep yourself interested? I mean, you're driving it alone, right? Yeah. I mean, now I have my cat in the back seat, and he likes to talk for the first couple hours of it. <laughs> um, but mostly, so... Alicia, what does your cat talk to you about? All kinds of things. <laughs> <laughs> he's very disappointed that his crate is too big for him to be in the front seat, so he's in the back seat. And so he's very disappointed that he can't see me. <laughs> he's also very disappointed that it's not safe for me to turn around and look at him, and I have to focus on the road. <laughs> I used to have a cat, so I had two cats at the time, and I'd put them in the back seat, but one of them had to be, um, like, crisscross from me so that she could see me in the front seat, or she would scream. (laughs) She would just sit there and scream the entire time if she couldn't see me. So I made that mistake once, and then I learned, no, she needs to be able to see me at all times, or she gets upset. Oh, poor baby. My cat... It's actually, like, super calm for, like, car rides and stuff. It's just getting her in the crate that's the pain. <laughs> to you, as she scratches your arm. <laughs> yeah, she, as she's, like, and she knows just how to, like, twist and grapple, like, around my shoulder and, like, sink her claws and then, like, climb up back. I was like, ah! Oh. And she's very good at climbing spaces that are hard for me to reach <laughs> in my apartment. And... See, like, Wesley does like car rides. It's just, you know, I think I experienced this with Faramir, too, when I first started putting him in the car where he freaked out and thought that he was leaving me. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like when I was driving from here back to Minnesota, Wesley was talking for the entire first half of the drive <laughs> until I stopped for lunch and sat in the back seat with him and he could see that I was right there and not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so then I think again, coming back, he had a little bit of freak out, but mm-hmm. we're getting better. You know, last time it was six hours. He was talking <laughs> this time. It was two and a half hours. <laughs> he was talking. So <laughs> They tend to get better the more you travel with them. Yeah. They tend to relax. Um, All right. So you're back in Carbondale, staying now through the beginning of the semester? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll be here. I I really only go back home to Minnesota for long periods, like a little bit in summer and then winter break. Like, I don't really go home for Thanksgiving or Easter or any of that. It's a long drive. For Easter weekend. Yeah. It, it's mm-hmm. literally, I'm even though it's two hours to St. Louis for the airport, I still am like, it's not worth the drive if I'm going to be home for less than a week. Mm-hmm. If I'm right. going home for, you know, I had a couple of things last school year where I had to go home for a weekend. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to fly. I'm mm-hmm. not driving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anything that really gets up over like four or five hours, it's just easier to fly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, OJ, how are you doing? Uh, so I'm doing good. It's, uh, that time of the semester for me. 
It's summer. <laughs> it's that time of semester, yeah. folks. It's summer. Yeah. Uh, so I taught two classes over the summer. Both of them are 16-week classes that got moved down in, or condensed into four weeks. Uh, and so I'm on the third week of the second one that I'm doing. Uh, and it's, it's an amazing program that I'm working with, but it is a lot of work because it's a lot of people who they just graduated high school um, maybe a month ago. Some of them even like two weeks. They had two weeks and then they came here. Uh, and the program is they, so at the Future Scholars program, they wake them up at 6.30 by like pounding on their doors and windows. Jeez. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's, so it's kind of like a boot camp. But, uh, and uh, so their day is fully structured. And, uh, but it's a lot of people who just came out of high school. So it's like teaching high school students. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're trying to teach them how to be college students. But there's, there's challenges that come with that. And so it's, it can it can be frustrating. I love all of my students. There, I have a really great class this year. I had a really re- great class last year, but it's frustrating and tiring. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. what what are you teaching in the class? I mean, is it like a, I mean, is it an introductory speech class that you're teaching, mm-hmm. or is it okay? It's not like a college skills course. No, no. So they're they're getting a college skills course too. So they uh, what happens is they have three classes that they're taking, and it's two hours per day for each one. They take English one hundred and one, um, like University one hundred and one, which teaches college skills, and then uh, the one that I'm teaching, Communication one hundred and one. So it's public speaking. Uh, and so there's three of us: me, Janine, and Aaron are teaching, and it's uh, it's a modified version of one hundred and one. Uh, we, re- we we reduce some things down because they have so much work. Uh, and even though they have time that is set aside, like they have study time that they specifically have to go to, uh, it's still a lot of work because they're writing all of their papers for English and they're doing all this other stuff. Uh, so we normally in 101, there's a paper that they have to write, but we took that off because English is already making them write way too many papers, right? Um, so we just do the three speeches that are required by law. Says a grad student. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, I, I would have trouble writing as much as they need to write in the time that they're given to write it. English department, send your very long hate letters to. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, and, and so it's, it's fantastic, but it's, it's hard because we're having, like, we have to teach them how to be college students. Uh, and the, the group of students that are here are students that applied and didn't quite make the grade but they're given this chance to show that they will work in college, right? Um, and so uh, there's a lot of stuff that it's a, a lot of people who didn't have the best schooling system that they came in or can't come from. So it's really definitely have to teach about critical thinking skills uh, and just how to how to be a student. Even though they have a class that teaches them how to be a student, we're still showing them like this is how you should deal with professors in your classes. This is how you should do this. So when they finish and like. If they finish and then continue on at SIU, does that like cover? Because like the public, the Com One Hundred One class is a university requirement for yep. everybody. Mm-hmm. So, do, are they covered from doing it in the summer program? Yes. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so the the three classes that they're taking are the three required courses. Oh, that, uh, that makes sense. That all students have to take. Yeah. That makes sense. So these aren't modified versions of those courses. So they're real courses. Yeah. Yeah. They're absolutely the. They get the full experience of the course. Uh, Except we it's just, in four weeks instead of 16. Yeah, yeah. So they, they have to do, a f- uh, on week two, they do a full speech. On week three, they do a full speech. And on week four, they do a full speech. Uh, and on weeks one through four, they do a uh, a full paper, like full big papers, one to two papers per week for them for English. Mm. 
Yeah, that's a lot of writing. Yeah, that it is. really is. Um, I mean, it, if you're taking only three classes and that's what your day is and everything, mm-hmm. it's more manageable, but it's still a lot of work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and especially because their Saturdays are fully um, picked out for them, too, because there's trips that they go on. Uh, so there's a trip to St. Louis, a trip to Springfield, and a trip to Memphis. Uh, so they they can, can I enroll? I'll in say this <laughs> I've never been to Springfield or Memphis. Can I come? <laughs> yeah, uh, and everything is paid for them too. Their, can I their please meals. come? Are, yeah, are <laughs> now, uh, so as the instructors, they said if we wanted to go on any of those trips, they would pay for us for the whole day. So I just unfortunately wasn't able to because my all of my weekends were really. Um, taken and and it, it, as, as your former mentee, can I take your spot? <laughs> I would. We'll see that. I applied for a position that would be overseeing this, so we'll we'll see if uh, if that comes through. If so, then maybe we'll, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> well, there you we know go. who you can hire for next yeah. summer. Right? <laughs> yes. There we go. Yes. Um, all right, great, OJ. Um, and Ryan, I, I put Ryan last. I mentioned at the very top that this is the last time that the four of us will be together doing this podcast for the foreseeable future, at least. Who knows what might happen? Um, and that's kind of sad, but it's for a very happy reason. And Ryan, why don't you tell our listeners the very happy news that you have? I have I've gotten a new job as a communication instructor, so I'm going to have to make a, a big move soon. And I'm very excited about this job. It's going to have like a lot of new opportunities for me, so... Um, it's like, it's sad. It's bittersweet because I'm going to be moving away like from here and also moving away like further away from like family. But I'm also looking forward to like what this is going to be for me. So I'm looking at this as an adventure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is, <laughs> it is a very exciting adventure. Uh, it's I mean, dangerous to go alone. Take this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You stole his books, he steals your pens. <laughs> you can't steal what is freely given. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this is uh, this is super exciting. This is your first full-time teaching position. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is what you want to continue to do. I mean, I, I assume you yes. have been working on your PhD and everything. You want to stay in teaching. Yes. Yeah, so this is that first step. Um, you know, usually of many. Usually it's that first job is not necessarily where you stay forever, but right. it's still exciting. Super yeah, exciting absolutely. news. Um, and you learn so much in that first job. Um, I mean, that's that was my experience. That's been the experience when I've talked to other people, just like how much they learn that first position. But that's super exciting. It's also, I think, a very good sign for um, this department that they keep producing uh, PhDs or PhD candidates who are going out and getting employed. So it's a very positive sign. Um, We are going to miss you quite a bit. Oh, Mm -hmm. thanks. Um, You know, this, we did not plan it this way, Mm -hmm. but it just so happens that the episode where Ryan is leaving us is the 50th episode. We've done 50 of these over the last, you know, less than really a year and a half. Um, and that was a, you know, we talked about this when we did our sort of one year anniversary show, um, how kind of exciting that was and everything. But, you know, this, this podcast grew out of, I I believe originally me talking to OJ about the idea. Mm -hmm. And then, 
Um, Alicia, you and I had talked about doing the uh, presentation at the women's conference. And then I, I think both OJ and Alicia suggested Ryan as, as being part of this. I'm just giving Ryan things. Don't mind me. As, as, as I am talking, Alicia is in her purse, like <laughs> pulling out random gifts. I'm Ryan. trying to find another pen. Um, but, you know, Ryan joining in. Now OJ is giving Ryan a pencil that he found. <laughs> it's not OJ's pencil. We're just pencil, ruining but, no. the sentimental moment here. <laughs> no, you're making it better. Um, but, you know, you've been an instrumental part for this podcast the last year and a half. And, you know, not in every episode as schedules have conflicted. But, you know, as we've talked about, that's just a matter of the situation. Um, but you know, I am extremely thankful for what you've brought to this podcast, um, and that you've helped shape it and bring a diversity to the podcast. Um, not just from your personal perspective, uh, of who you are, right. But also in like what your interests are in video games, you know, um, none of the rest of us are nearly as much into visual novels as you are. <laughs> and you know, that's or great. Waluigi. Or Waluigi. Or <laughs> Waluigi. And that's been great because, you know, when you get on and you talk about some, you know, I, I don't mean this in a negative way, but an obscure visual novel that I've never heard of and you're very passionate about it, I think that's been great for the three of us to, you know, hear that. But it's also really great for our listeners because I think you're exposing them to um, – you know, entirely new types of games. And I, I think that's the value of a podcast like this. And that was always the hope um, to get in different types of people who would bring up different types of games. I can talk for two hours by myself about the games I like, but that's not very useful. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we end up with a top 10 at the end of the year that's just my top 10, right? Whereas with the four of us talking together, we ended up with a much more diverse, I think, interesting list that people can look at and say, hey, these are games I should try that maybe I haven't even heard of in some situations. So uh, I value that quite a bit. And, you know, thank you for doing that and being part of this podcast over the last year and a half. Well, shucks, thank you. I, don't, I really, I deeply appreciate that. I, I don't know what to say. Thank you. Well, sorry to do it all up front, but I <laughs> want to do it up front before, you know, I forget. And so that if somebody's just tuning in, they'll hear it and everything as part of this. Uh, but like I said, we're super excited what's next for you. you. Um, and you're always welcome to like come back and be part of the podcast sometime. You know, I'm sure at some point you might be back here to defend your dissertation or right. something. <laughs> so uh, that would certainly be fun to have you back as part of that. Um, we will continue the podcast, even though Ryan is leaving. We don't know what that new version of the podcast is going to look like. Um, but we'll figure something out. Yeah, we'll figure something out. And, you know, we'll we've already be... joked about the possibility of Ryan has done 40 odd episodes, give or take. So we can just get Ryan, the AI. <laughs> R-A-I-N. Yep. <laughs> On that note, I would like to just point out I will be joining, like, the writer strike. <laughs> <laughs> but AI Ryan will be joining the podcast. 
AI Ryan will be very into visual novels and Waluigi. Mm-hmm. Uh, and AI Tetris. And, and will write Waluigi visual novels. <laughs> there we go. Involving in, Tetris. In real time <laughs> during the podcast. <laughs> and then get beaten up in the parking lot by OJ for making them so horrible. <laughs> It'll just be OJ with a baseball bat beating a computer case. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Until one day, like, OJ's looking at like, and here's like, I'm sorry, OJ, I can't let you do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Office Space, the, that scene where they were... The copier. Yeah. 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 That's, that's essentially what's going to happen. <laughs> won't be a day at, at SIU without it, like at some point <laughs> during the, the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> um, man, that sounds great, actually. <laughs> uh, that's great content. Uh, OJ in a parking lot uh, attacking computers. <laughs> um, Sorry, sorry, Ryan, that you have to leave to give us that great content. <laughs> I mean, if it's what I have to do, it, it's it's a final gift. I mean, if that's if that's what you do to my competition, I mean, you know, so be it. <laughs> I can always get like a picture of your face and just put it on. Come on. Uh, the printer can be printing pictures of your face <laughs> while, while it's Different happening. Different expressions. Yeah, there we go. progressively more horrified. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you doing this? <laughs> OJ, I thought we were friends. <laughs> Waluigi. Just slowly devolves into screaming Waluigi's name and just worse and worse puns. <laughs> Start printing pictures in the shape of Tetris shapes. <laughs> and I'm imagining the sound eventually just turns into a dot matrix printer noise. <laughs> At the end. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> and then it ends on like a, a picture of a sad Waluigi and an iron lung made out of Tetris blocks. <laughs> <laughs> All I wanted was your friendship. <laughs> now, thanks for this podcast, I'm going to be the first one killed in the robot uprising. So. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> odds were already pretty high. <laughs> fair, fair. Um, so um, probably a lot for you to uh, just to manage coming up, like getting ready to move and everything. That's probably quite a bit to deal with. Oh, yeah, and it, it's all happening fast. Cool. So trying to, like, get stuff packed up to move, trying to, like, do all the paperwork and um, then, like, arranging for plane tickets and stuff. So, yeah. Well, um, still very exciting and everything, and obviously we wish you the best. Um, we still have a podcast to do, so we're going to move on and like talk about that. We still um, get you for one more episode. Mm-hmm. Right, this episode. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so let's move on. Let's talk about what you've been playing. Alicia, what have you been playing since we've been off for almost a full month? Yeah, so I've honestly played a lot, so I'm just going to hit a couple of highlights. I am finally back on the Pokemon Go train, so OJ, we need to go for walks, that way okay. I can use the Daily Adventure incense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the other big ones, I've been playing a lot of House Flipper, just because that's very much one that you know, being at home with my family, I have been watching a lot more TV than I do when I live by myself. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, oh, you know, I can play this without having to really pay super attention, and you know, it's not like a lot of games where I'm someone who is super into video game OSTs, 
House Flipper doesn't really have one. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't care about playing it on mute. Yeah. <laughs> um, other big how, one. How oh. are you liking that now that you've spent more time with it? Because I know at first you had some problems with the interface and everything. I mean, I still have a couple of those problems sometimes, but I think overall I'm enjoying it a lot more. I finally moved on from doing all of the email jobs to like actually buying houses and doing things with them. So I'm enjoying having that more freedom because a lot of the issue that I, that I had was like I would try to go in and buy something that was supposed to get put up at someone's house and then that item just wouldn't be there or it wouldn't go away from another item. Whereas when that happens in a house that I've bought and I'm flipping, okay, I don't need that item. I'm just going to do something else. Right. Um, also learning more of the tricks like paint the bathroom walls before you buy the shower. <laughs> <laughs> That's a real life trick. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm, I'm having fun with it. It's, definitely settling in as my like calm chill vibes game where you know I'll throw on a YouTube video or I'll throw on a movie and play that while I'm watching something else um other big ones I was hanging out with my best friend and her little sister who is affectionately our school daughter <laughs> and we were playing overcooked on the switch because I remember seeing watching everybody play it on PC before at playing for pets mm -hmm. and being like, oh my gosh, this game is stressful as I'll get out. <laughs> uh <-huh>. And then <laughs> playing it on Switch, I'm like, oh my gosh, this game is stressful as I'll get out, but I'm having the time of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so that's definitely... I'm excited. I, I think I'm going to keep an eye out to get that one now. That way I can play more with her because I have not played games two player in a long time mm. like most of what i've played has been solo and i was just like you know what i am having a blast just like screaming get the beat get the meat <laughs> no we need buns no the car is separating yeah. why aren't you on that side <laughs> yeah uh overcook's one of those games that whenever i show it to people like people instantly love that game mm-hmm like, I mean, it's just one of those instant hits with a group of people. So mm -hmm. it's a great party game. Mm -hmm. Also, just love the casual representation that the first character is in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. yeah. That's just awesome. We can only play maybe one or two rounds at a time at my house because then the, 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 the tempers get a little, <laughs> a little big. So yeah. it's hot in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jen and I were definitely yelling. But we weren't like yelling at each other in like angry way. We were just like, "Oh my gosh, are you kidding me?" We were also playing on like the ch more chill mode. Yeah. <laughs> but it is one of those games where I've seen people just go. I said, "I quit. Yeah, I yeah. can't play this anymore." <laughs> I think if I was playing on the more intense mode, that would be me. Or yeah. if I was playing, because like I've never been a PC gamer, so mm -hmm. if I was trying to play on PC, it would mm -hmm. mess me up. Mm -hmm. Versus playing on the Switch, I'm like, okay, yeah, I can do this. Yeah. Um, other big game that I want to talk about, Earthbound. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, Earthbound. I beat it not too long after going home, and I am so happy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I I texted this to our group chat, but I'm like, OJ, I see why you try to replay it every year, because mm -hmm. it is 
phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I am adding my voice to the decades old chorus of <laughs> bring us mother three. Dang it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, you were already a big fan of undertale. Yeah. Um, and so how, how do you feel about Earthbound now? Because Undertale is obviously a direct, directly inspired. Oh my by gosh! Earthbound. Undertale has so many Earthbound references <laughs> and like the the same quirky style humor. I have to laugh at myself because I'm like, oh yeah, like I don't know anything except for that, and from Earthbound except for that, Doctor Andonuts is a bad guy because of the Halloween hack. He's not really a bad guy, <laughs> and he's kind of. Not a great dad, but <laughs> he's not the villain. <laughs> no, I, I, it's very fun, you know, being in a post Undertale day and going back and playing Earthbound and being able to see where all these little things that make Undertale so great, how they are paying tribute to Earthbound. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of the quirky, you know, <laughs> Because now I'm watching Chugga Conroy's second Earthbound playthrough. And in the hospital in Threed, you can go upstairs and get in from one of the drawers, get the insignificant item. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like the item description is literally like, mm-hmm. you know, this, uh, this item is insignificant unless if you're someone who finds significance in insignificant things. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like just that same quirky humor and even being able to see little things like, Oh, you know, Toby Fox's persona quote unquote within undertale is the annoying dog. (laughs) He's just a little white dog. And I'm like, ha I see what you did there. Ness has a white dog. (laughs) So just, it's very fun going back and, and even, you know, when, Enemies call for help, but no one came. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, there, it's like, yes, no one came. And then yeah. versus Undertale, when you're playing the genocide route, but no one came. <laughs> it's just like, ah. <laughs> yeah, it, it strikes me, you talking about it, that, you know, we have a sort of uh, comparison in Wes Anderson, even a little bit. Like some of the writing and everything is very Wes Anderson like. Um, mm you know, the uh, insignificant object, unless you're somebody who finds significance. (laughs) It's very Wes Anderson to me. And, um, you know, even like just sort of kind of the the quirky look and everything. We're going to do this very kind of very stripped down look to these games, you know, especially Undertale today when there's certainly they can do something much more graphically intensive. You know, Wes Anderson does something very similar with... um, you know, his films often like being obviously like fake sets and everything. And, you know, um, well, that's okay. That's part of the aesthetic of it. So, yeah, I mean, that sort of like quirky twee yeah. sort of humor and everything. And like, it's, it's really interesting because I feel like I've seen a lot of media over the course of my life that has really embraced like quirky characters mm-hmm. and... I've had times where I've gotten kind of tired of that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting and refreshing because I feel like a lot of the media that I've seen do that is like, oh, quirky characters, but the storytelling is still very normal, for lack of a better word. Right. Whereas this... The Joss Whedon style. Yeah, exactly. Whereas 
like you said, it's got it's got that quirky way of telling the story and interesting things like if you carry around a boiled egg for long enough, it'll turn into a chick <laughs> yeah. and then into a chicken. <laughs> yeah. All right. And like Undertale, when if you eat the instant ramen just plain, <laughs> it heals a bunch of HP, whereas if you try to cook it, it literally makes you sit there for five minutes and then <laughs> restores like two HP. <laughs> All right. Um, so Undertale, anything else you want to talk about? Those have been the big ones. I said I, I am genuinely considering just restarting Earthbound. I had that much fun with it, and like watching the Chugga Conroy yeah. playthrough right now, I'm like, oh my gosh, I missed so much. <laughs> Did you? You're playing this on Switch. Did you play Earthbound Beginnings? I started it, and then I was hanging out with my family more. And again, I'm very much someone who wants to listen to the game music so i just didn't have enough time of sitting down playing with the volume up right i do want i i do want to go back and play earthbound beginnings more i said i think i literally got like out of the house and then <laughs> i had to go do something at my real house <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah all, all these escapes from reality are just unfortunately draw you back to reality eventually <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. Um, Ryan, what have you been playing? So I have been playing, uh, I kind of had a nostalgia trip and I decided to play Super Mario 64 because of games that are coming out that we'll talk about in a bit. Um, and it's been a fun nostalgia trip so far. And, but I will say I get why that game was so significant at the time, but I definitely feel the age of it while I play it. Mm -hmm. Like, how clunky the controls are and how frustrating the camera can be. Like, I'm... I was playing it, and I was just... There's parts of me that's like, uh, I'd rather just go back to Super Mario Odyssey. But that said, like, I was seeing, like, why this was, like, a significant jump at the time when you, you know, look at the previous platformers all being 2D side-scrollers. Though, I feel as far as, like, 2D side-scrollers go, I feel like some of the ones, like... I feel like as far as a game you can pick up and play now, it's things like... Um, the Super Mario Brothers games, like on the Nintendo and Super Mario World, do age better. Like as far as a game, I think you can pick up and play now. Um, but although I also it's it's weird that I'm saying that because I also have more nostalgic attachment to this one because Super Mario sixty four was like the first video game I ever got. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm curious to see how much further I'm going to play in it because, and then. I'm a bit of a Mario poser here because I've <laughs> never actually completed Super Mario 64. Um, and I was thinking I was going to try to do it this time, but I've also gotten fr I've also gotten the part where the game's gotten hard enough and the controllers the controls have gotten frustrating enough that I'm like, ah, oh, we'll see if I keep doing this. Um, but man, some of the parts of those games that is that were charming then are still charming now. Like I still think that, that was like the first level you go in, that bob -omb land is still just a really cool first level for a video game. Mm -hmm. um, and just like, even though it's like N64 graphics and, you know, it's obviously like aged, like it, it, they still have their own distinct charm like any older video game does. Mm -hmm. um, and I still just like, like love like the vivid colors and stuff in it, like the vivid green of like the grass and the trees. Um I still like the blocky look of it um, and, like, the floating islands and stuff and how you could go back after getting, like, the flying cap and, like, explore more of it. Um, it It's such a... It still has got so much charm to it, but it's all... But it 
it you definitely do feel the age on it. Um, it's a it's a game I would love to see like an updated version of. Um, to see like you know one that plays more smoothly that plays like you remember it playing. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of like through the, like the rose-colored lenses mm-hmm. of nostalgia, mm-hmm. not like you know, not like oh wait, this isn't quite as fun as I remember it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I was playing Super Mario Odyssey, I I always thought I want to see Mario sixty four remade as like Odyssey. Right, yeah. I agree. That would be awesome. You, you kind of get a little bit of that. I think that's what kind of. Uh, you know, tugs at that desire and everything because yeah. you get a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Is that a spoiler? That's okay to give <laughs> at this point. What six years have been? Yeah, <laughs> so it's been a hot minute. I think that spoilers for Odyssey are okay. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I think I was even like hoping it would just become oh now play Super Mario sixty four, but in Odyssey, mm-hmm. like at the end, yeah. right? Um, and like, so it, it's it's in a way it's like. One of the Mario games I have the most emotional attachment to, even though I never beat it, and even though like um, I'm playing it now, I'm like ah, but I still find myself itching and wanting to go back and play it again sometimes, because um, like for all like the clunkiness of it, the charm and like the nostalgia outweighs that for me. Um, aside from that, I tried a game uh, that I've been wanting to try for a while to see if it's one I'd want to get, and I think it is. Um, it's called Live Alive. Mm-hmm. And part of the that. appeal of this was because I've wanted to play an RPG game, but I it's such a time sink to play a lot of RPG mm-hmm. games. And I know that this one's supposed to be, like, relatively shorter. Like, I think it's, like, a 30-hour one, mm-hmm. like, played to completion. And maybe there, maybe it goes, like, maybe it can be longer. But um, I really enjoyed what little bit I played of it. So I played the demo level of... Uh, where you're like an Edo Japan um, and you're a ninja. And it's so, I don't remember much about the story at the moment. You're just trying to accomplish a mission um, that they want somebody that's good enough for, but also they don't want to sacrifice anybody like, you know, too important for you. So you're going to issues like, you know, hierarchy and classism and stuff there. But, um, and you can, and there's like an interesting choice in it kind of makes me think of Undertale a little bit, too. Um, and I wonder, like, how much this might have, you know, influenced Undertale at all, even though, like, this is, like, the first... It it didn't originally have an English release when it came out on the Super Nintendo, but, like, you well, can shoot... Toby Fox is fluent in Japanese. Okay. He, he handles the Japanese translations of his games. It wouldn't surprise so. me that he may have played this then, because, like... There were also you, translations of that game have been floating around the internet for years. Yeah, I was going to say that to you. That's very possible that it would it w- there was a way to play it before anyway. But, um, like, you have the choice of you can engage in fights with various, like, guards and stuff, or you can just try to sneak past them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's, like, you know, an ethical thing there. Like, you know, maybe you ethically want to sneak past them. And also that's kind of sinking into the idea of, you know, being, like, es- doing espionage there in feudal Japan. But also, like, you don't get as strong doing that. You don't build up those RPG points um, for his, for the character stats. And there's already, like, some good emotional storytelling. Like, there's a, there's I don't want to spoil it, but there's a story about, like, you walk into somebody else's story. There's somebody else that's trying to uh, infiltrate the place you're infiltrating. And you get, a very like, a very sad story about that character. Um, I won't say much more beyond that. And the other thing I just want to say is just how 
beautiful this game looks. So it's got that whole, it's got the 2D HD thing that you've seen in games like the Octopath Traveler games, um, and in that triangle strategy game that came out. And I think they did some of that with some of the re-releases of fi- the Final Fantasy games mm-hmm. previously. Yep. And they, I think what I love about this 2D HD is like, it, it kind of makes me think of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse in those movies in a way. Not like in what they, not in that what it looks like, but those movies aren't like, let's see how realistic we can make animation. They're, they're playing with like what animation can do that live action can't mm-hmm. um, in a way that is just, you know, it is very, you know, into itself as an animated feature. It's very in love with the idea. And um, this is doing like something with like video game graphics that is true to video game graphics, but in a way that you haven't really seen in anything else. Um, that is beautiful and distinctive in its own right without being like realistic per se. Right. Um, it's a real stylistic choice that honors those 8-bit pixel, or 16-bit, I guess in this mm-hmm. case, uh, pixel graphics, right? Like there's this sort of modern desire to move past those graphics, right? And even when you see games that are kind of side-scrollers and stuff, they're often done with polygons or, you know, um, and it, those HD 2D games, I think, do a really good job of saying, no, 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 wait, there's something beautiful about right. mm-hmm. these, you know, these sprites of this era. There's something unique about them that yeah. we can honor those in a way that still makes these games look new and relevant today. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, they're amazing looking. We're going to talk about one here in a few minutes. So right. Maybe is the most beautiful one they've <laughs> shown so far. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I a hundred percent agree with you on that. Uh, I, yeah, I love it. I want to play more of these kind of games. Um, and I, I love that. I just, I love that visual style. And I also, another thing I want to add to is like, I've been talking about like graphics, um, and stuff and some of the story, and like player decisions, but also if you do choose to fight, the combat mechanics is I I actually really like the RPG combat mechanics in this because mm-hmm. it's like the, there's some really interesting stuff going on based on like what ch- attack you can choose, what is its range, um, where are you positioning your character in this? It it feels more like what I would have considered like a tactics combat game in some ways, like the way like it works with that. But it you know it it's also an RPG. It is very much an RPG, um, and I do like the idea that there's going to be like multiple worlds that you can explore and that you can connect, connect all of them. And I think this also like, I don't know if this is like going to be about a multiverse or something like that, but I think the way you like, you're connecting these characters from these different timelines and stuff um, and different like civilizations, it kind of makes me think of like the, all the multiverse stuff that you're seeing going on right now Mm -hmm. in media. So I feel like it's, it's kind of, they brought. They decided to bring this back at a particularly interesting time when that was like in vogue. So, um, so those are the two main things I've played. I've also just played more Tetris on the, like the Game Boy emulator, um, just to chill out. Um, but yeah, that's that's uh, what I've been playing. All right, cool. Uh, OJ. Well, so I've been super busy the past couple of months. Uh, so I I get like two hours a day teaching to play. your two classes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And among among other things. So um, I haven't really had... I get like two hours a day to play maybe with that. So I, I'm i sure many of you are expecting me to talk about Final Fantasy 16, but I haven't even started it yet because 
if I learn anything from Breath of the Wild, it's that if I don't do everything before I beat it, I will not go back and do it. So I'm playing Tears of the Kingdom, and I haven't beat it yet. I've progressed the story, main story pretty far, and now I'm going through and getting uh, all of the shrines done. Uh, I cleared the entire underworld um, that I can as far as the storyline goes. Um, so the the Stranger Things type area <laughs> that I was in, um, I have I have all of that opened up. I have the regular map opened up. Uh, and so I'm working on the shrines right now. I think I, I have a good majority of them done. But luckily, the the light routes that open up the map in the underground is at the same place where there are shrines on the regular level. So since, because I have that all cleared up, then I can use that to help find where shrines should be uh, in the regular level. And I haven't, I haven't done a lot of the Sky Island stuff yet, but that's where I'm going to go afterwards. Um, so I, I, I don't know if I'll get all of the Koroks... But, uh, like, I'm thinking of it, and I'm finding a lot of them as I go along. They're a little easier to find than they used to be in Breath of the Wild. Uh, so that's that's good. At least the, the ones that I have found are a little easier. But the, the shrines are done. I'm trying to work on all of the quests and getting them done. And there's just so much in that game. Uh, and I, I really want to honor it. And if I know if I stop playing, I won't come back to it. Right. It, it really feels like the forever game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it feels like a, you know, Nintendo feels like uh, COVID happened, mm-hmm. and they took that time to just say well, we're going to throw everything into yep. this Zelda <laughs> sequel, yes. which yes. originally, you know, you have to remember that originally they were pitching this as like, uh, hey, we're going to have this out in another year, mm-hmm. like. After, you know, uh, Breath of the Wild. Mm. We're going to turn this around, and in a year or two, we're going to put out this new Zelda game, you know, very much the way that they did Majora's Mask with Mm -hmm. Ocarina of Time. Mm -hmm. And it just kept going and going and going. And and now playing it, you know, uh, I'm having the same experience. Like, you just keep going, there's just so much to do. And I... Like, yeah, I can go finish this game, but, like, why would I? Because there's a hundred other things I can go do. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I want to do them. Yeah. Right? Like, mm-hmm. it's not even a case of, oh, I'm just collecting random, you know, trinkets. It's mm-hmm. like, no, this is actually fun. I'm having yeah. a lot of fun exploring this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the the weapons are, like, I'm happy with them. I, like, I, I suppose it could be better, but I'm happy. I'm happy with them how they are right now. Like, I can deal with it, unlike Breath of the Wild, where I hated it. And the shrines are not as weirdly like some of the shrines are difficult but they're not difficult because they just made it difficult and added difficulty because of it they're difficult because you have to figure out what you're supposed to do Mm -hmm. uh in breath of the wild some were just difficult to be difficult it seemed to me um and i haven't really found a lot of that in this one i mean this being more puzzle difficult than skill difficult yes yes yeah um and so i appreciate that because i don't and the the bosses that I fought so far are much easier than Breath of the Wild, like much, much easier. And so that's, that's really such a boon to it. Um, so I don't mind fighting any of the enemies. Well, except for the Lynels, but, you know, <laughs> nobody likes fighting a Lynel. And, <laughs> uh, and like the... Lynel sad. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I, and I'm finding new areas, finding all of these caves, uh, and getting all the gems and the really, really, I have to turn the sound off annoying people that deal with the bubble gems. 
uh, and like <laughs> filling out the compendium and, and on a scale of one to hey, listen, how annoying are they? <laughs> I would rather have Navi. Wow. Have wow. Yeah. So they're they're weird people who are obsessed with monsters, and they're they're it's just the worst voice. So <laughs> it's it's just bad. Um, and yeah, so I'd rather have Navi not stopping with saying, Hey, listen, then them. Like wow. I, I had to stop in the middle of turning in a bunch of quests in a row because I just couldn't deal with it. So it's, it's, it's bad. It's bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to finish that or at least, at least finish to where I feel good. Right. Uh, and the arrow, the, the arrows is are so much better than they were in breath of the wild. Like a thousand times better. Uh, so it's just everything is so great uh, with that. Uh, so that's been most so of my. Tell us how uh, you really feel about Tears <laughs> of the Kingdom. <laughs> um, really, honestly, it's it's one of the best games I've played. I think it's better than I, some people have put Breath of the Wild above it, but I think it's better than Breath of the Wild. Um, I I'd agree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is really intense. Like, I've been wanting to play it, but I've also like I'm obsessed with the idea of beating Breath of the Wild first, uh-huh. and I need to go back to beat Breath uh-huh. of the Wild, which. I liked, but I was getting very frustrated with. Mm-hmm. That's why you'd be like me and just be too in, too intimidated by how open the world is, and just <laughs> never play any of them, <laughs> and yep. just watch other people play them and do mm-hmm. goofy speed runs. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'll just say I don't think you should be intimidated. Like mm-hmm. Zelda is still, in the grand scheme of things, a fairly easy game. Mm-hmm. Um, now that's not to say there aren't hard parts. That's not to say that some. Mm-hmm parts that are optional aren't particularly difficult, mm-hmm. right? Um, but this is not an Elden Ring, mm-hmm. right? Like, it, yeah. Or it's not super obscure what you need to do next mm-hmm. most of the time. Like, it, it's it's still a Nintendo-designed game mm-hmm. for yeah. the most part. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it can still be frustrating. I mean, you know, Ryan's talking about, you know, elements being frustrating. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a game worth trying at least like if you know somebody who has a copy you can borrow like even just borrowing and trying and just seeing like how you feel mm-hmm. yeah yeah um and there's there's a couple things i do miss from breath of the wild but they've been addressed in the game so it's not that bad um like in breakfast in breath of the wild one of the abilities you have is to create a bomb and throw it uh and so you can't do that here but they've made it so it's it's really easy to use bombs anyway um and you don't need bombs for everything you would have needed bombs before, right? So a lot of things that require bombs, you can do other things instead of using it. Uh, and, and I hate the, that we can't make ice anymore just with an ability, but they've made it so easy to make ice that it's not a big deal. Like, it's not a big deal losing that as a power. So, yeah, oh, so, so much better than my <laughs> Breath of the Wild in every other aspect, but yeah. Um, all right. Anything else? Uh, yeah. So uh, I've been playing that uh, with consoles, and then on my phone, I found a new game that I think that I'm really enjoying. It's called Dicey Elementalist, and I know it's on Google Play. I don't know if it's on the uh, the Apple Store, but so it's it's kind of a weird card game uh, thing, and so it's essentially it's a group playing D and D that you that you're you're watching in the in the game, but then you're the character inside that goes through, and you go from room to room, and there's bosses that you have to fight, and so you get little cards um, that you find throughout as you're going through, um, and they use there's different elements. There's like fire, lightning, ice, uh, dark. Um, 
I think that's it. And uh, so your cards represent those types, those elements. And then there's normal, obviously. And you roll, you have five dice, and they come up with as one of the elements. And then you can, like, save and re-roll again sometimes. And there's different characters, and all the different characters play differently. Like, the first one that you're given is, uh, like, just has one roll every, every turn. You get, like, three rolls so that you can make. And you go through and play and, like, beat these little dungeons, and there's different challenges that you have to go through with that specific person. The second one that you can unlock using currency from in the game that you get in the game um, only has one roll per turn, but once you play a card, you get another roll. So you can play, keep on playing as long as you need to and keep on rolling as long as you can play one card through. And the, I haven't unlocked the other ones yet because the, the, the one thing I don't like is that unlocking some of the characters does cost money and you can't use, like, in-game currency. I'm still going to buy them, though. It's worth it uh, because I really, I'm really enjoying the game with the two characters that I had access to so far. And uh, it's, like, the, the monsters are real, uh, like, funny. They're, they're not quite on Earthbound level of, like, uh, campy, but, but some of them are. Right, uh, and you can get relics that help you throughout the game um, that you're using and upgrade your cards. And uh, as you're getting the in-game special currency, and you're going back out to like the D and D area because they're playing D and D, but they're in like a an old like a Middle Ages tavern playing D and D. Right, so they're they're characters we would kind of associate with D and D anyway. That's they're, awesome. And they're playing it, and uh, so. Then you go back out and you can upgrade the levels, essentially, that you're going through. So, like, hey, now we have a room that has a fairy in it that will heal you, as you're, like, when you go through. And so in each room, there's up to three different ways you can go, three different doors you can go through. Um, and then one is, like, you're playing a dice game in the game against an enemy. And if you win, you get a certain thing. And if you lose, you get a certain thing. Uh, and you can go to, there's a store where you can buy stuff. There's an area where it's like you roll the dice and it's a game. So there's two negative things and uh, four good things. But depending on what you roll, you get one, one, one or the other, right? And so all of the cards have stuff like one dark, right? Or maybe two dark, three dark. And some of them are four of a, four of a specific one. And then it also has like one pair, two pairs, uh, and then like three of a kind, four of a kind, and they can be they can be different ones. So it's it's really fun. I'm really really enjoying it. Um, and you can you can sit and play it for like a couple minutes, or you can sit down and play through multiple dungeons, and it's still it's still pretty fun. So it sounds like a, a roguelite at some level. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. The the different levels that show up on each one, and you so like you go to the f- first area, and it's a specific theme, but the themes can change. And you can unlock new themes as well when you go out into the other one and you're unlocking stuff. Um, so, like, there's an ice level now that I had to unlock, and there's a forest level, I think, that I had to unlock. Um, and then all of those levels are rogue, like, where they, they change every time you go through. It's, it's really, really fun. I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, and I, I don't have to give it too much attention, so I can just play it uh, in between stuff. And it's called Dicey Elemental? An Elemental List. Elemental List. Yes. Okay. I was close. Yeah. Uh, and there, so there are add things that you can do. They're all bonuses uh, and like extra items and stuff. So you don't have to do them. There's no forced. Well, there's forced ads at like the top, but they're not like the forced. You have to watch an ad type right. thing. Um, and I think you can get rid of the ads as well. I just haven't done that. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, is that it? Yeah. Okay. Um, 
So I'm just going to talk about two demos that I played of uh, upcoming games. Um, the first one is a game that I think we all got real excited for when we saw the first trailer for it, which I feel like was just this past spring. Um, and that's Little Kitty Big City. Um, so my so cute. My immediate thought upon seeing this game was, well, how different is this going to be from Stray? Um, it's quite a bit different from Stray. <laughs> okay. uh, Stray is a very narrative-driven game. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a constant sort of force pushing you forward in that game and everything. Um, and I would say Stray is, in a lot of ways, a, a, uh, a, pl- a, a very traditional platformer in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, this game is much more of a sort of kind of puzzle game. It is, there are certainly platforming elements. The first things that you do are platforming, but like you very quickly get into an open area and they're like, hey, can you find me five of these things? And then you walk out into that area and you have to like kind of solve puzzles. Well, how am I going to get this? Oh, I see it up there. What do I need to do to get that to topple over so that I can get this item and everything? Um, Having said that, having made the comparison with Stray, Stray grabbed me much quicker and much harder than this game did. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed my time playing with it. Um, I, I don't think it's a bad game. And, of course, again, I just played the demo. Um, but I, I would say that my reaction to it so far has been, well, this is interesting, but, like, I don't know... I don't know if I'm excited to play more of it. Um, and, you know, again, that may just be that that I'm playing a demo, I'm not playing the full game, and maybe the full game will have more of that uh, ability to, like, grab me and interest me. Um, but, you know, again, it's not bad. It, it's just it, doesn't, hasn't, it didn't captivate me in the same way that Stray did. And I think part of that probably, too, was that I thought Stray's world was really interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the world that this game is set in is much more of a, you know, our world today. Mm-hmm. And so it was a little bit less interesting for I, that reason. I get that. Like, I love cyberpunk. I love cats. Give me cyberpunk and cats. <laughs> <laughs> Cyber cats. That's great. <laughs> Uh, the second game that I played is one called Stunt Derby. Um, so this is being, this is kind of an interesting game. It's being produced by Noclip, which is a YouTube channel, Patreon, uh, that does video game documentaries. So they do these very expansive, expansive, not expensive, though mm-hmm. I imagine some of them are expensive. Mm-hmm. Of documentaries, they just put one out about Vampire Survivors, for example, talking to the creator and talking about how the game was developed and you know the reaction and how it went through early access and you know came to be like this very beloved game. Um, and they're really fantastic documentaries. Uh, Danny O'Dwyer is the person who uh, runs No Clip. He is a former journalist from uh, Gamespot, um, and. He, as part of this, kind of wanted to know how do games get made, and so he teamed up with a game developer and started developing this game, Stunt Derby, which is this sort of racing game that you can build your own tracks. Uh, really, kind of reminds me of the arcade classic Hard Driving, 
uh, as far as the look of it, very kind of a simplistic polygon look to it. Um, and he is chronicling all of this so that they can, you know, they're doing like little mini videos and everything talking about the development of this game, how you promote it on Steam, how, you know, uh, how you design your Steam page and everything to get the most traction. So it's kind of this interesting game that, you know, they're chronicling the development of it so that you have a better insight to how games actually get made. And from a journalistic perspective, you know, that's something most journalists can't actually speak to because they don't actually make games. So they're always getting this information third hand. So it's kind of this neat project. Um, as far as the game itself, what I played of it was interesting. But again, like it, it did, I don't know that it's that compelling to me uh, playing it. Um, you know, the, the physics for it are sort of wild physics as you're driving and everything. So, you know, if you, Try to over, try to correct um, the angle that you're at. You tend to overcorrect, and that may just be uh, an issue with my bad driving ability. <laughs> <laughs> but I also think it's 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 that type of a game, right? Mm-hmm. It's this very arcadey style of play and everything. And you know, I think you're going to get different amounts of enjoyment out of that based on like how into that style of game you are. Um, and for me, like just what I've played of it so far, I'm like, this is interesting, but I don't know it, that it would keep me coming back to it. I would play Big Kitty Little City over it uh, so far. So of those two demos and everything, that's my reaction. Um, and I've also been playing Tears of the Kingdom, but I already talked about that a little uh, with OJ, and OJ already covered it much better than I could, <laughs> much more extensively. So we'll just move on from there. Um, All right, let's talk about some news, and we've been out for nearly a full month, so we have quite a bit of news. Um, Some of this is a little dated because it happened, you know, two or three weeks ago, so we're going to kind of rush through it and everything, but I want to start off with the Nintendo Direct that happened. This happened back the end of June. Um, So I have a bunch of games listed here. We're not going to necessarily talk about all of these in depth, Uh, but I, I do kind of want to run through all of them, then maybe we can come back and talk about them, uh, the ones that particularly interest us. So this isn't all the games that were announced, but these were some of the major ones that were announced. Uh, Super Mario Brothers Wonder, a new 2D side-scrolling Mario game. Super Mario RPG Remake. Um, I don't think they actually have remake in the title. I think it's just Super Mario RPG, but it is a full ground-up remake of the 16-bit classic. Detective Pikachu 2, WarioWare Move It, a new WarioWare game for the Switch, uh, Pikmin 1 and 2 HD ports. So now all four Pikmin games, all four console Pikmin games are now available on the Switch. Uh, I guess Pikmin 4 came out today, I think. Um, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, Treasures of Area Zero, expansion they showed off some more of that uh, that had been previously announced but they did show off more of it uh, Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon remaster this is the um, what was that was that DS or 3DS that that game came out on originally 3DS I think okay uh, they are porting that over to the switch now uh, they showed off uh, just a brief few seconds of a Princess Peach game that they said will be coming out next year. 
Um, they announced the Batman Arkham trilogy is coming to Switch. So that is the first three Batman Arkham games, Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, and Arkham Knight, um, all coming as part of one package to the Switch. Star Ocean, the second story R, that is the HD 2D remake of Star Ocean, the second story. That looks amazing. <laughs> Just like one of the best looking games I've mm-hmm. seen in a long time. And then also, finally, which is kind of amazing, it hasn't come until now, Vampire Survivors is coming to the Switch, which seems like the most Switchy Switch game possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Um, so I wanted to run through all of those, and we can talk mm-hmm. about them more in depth here in a second. But part of the reason I wanted to list all of those off, and again, there were more games that they talked about and showed off, but that's a pretty amazing lineup. And when you think that most of this, outside of Luigi's Mansion and Princess Peach, um, most of this is coming this year or very early next year. Um, You know, and when you look at those games out before Christmas. Well, yeah, but like when you look at this compared to, you know, we've talked about the PlayStation uh, showcase and the Xbox showcase, you know, there's quite a bit of diversity and quite a few of these games that are going to be big hits, I think, right? Like I, I can't imagine Star- Super Mario Brothers Wonder not being a big hit or Mario RPG remake being a big hit. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think Nintendo maybe won, you know, the E3 no, season. <laughs> easily. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I wanted to open this up if we wanted to talk about any of these in particular, um, any of these that you're particularly interested in. This was one of the first, like, directs where I was so consistently excited by, like, a bunch of the stuff that I was seeing. Um, like, I just, not to, like, I know, like, for example, I'm not the best at platformers, particularly 2D platformers, but I am super excited for Super Mario Brothers Wonder. It just looks so pretty. And, I mean, I know it's, a lot of these games are kind of gimmicky and that, like, here's the gimmick of this game, but, like, just the way, like, the world around you comes alive and moves, moves around. And just, again, how visual it looks. Like, I don't even quite know how to describe how it looks different. It's just something about it feels more bright and colorful. And and finally, we can play Daisy. And Daisy is, like, my favorite <laughs> princess. So I am so happy I can finally play Daisy in one of these. Um, and I, I've wanted to play Super Mario RPG for a long time. But, it you know, I, I got into video games after it was a thing. And it was not really ever an easy option without, you know, doing emulators and stuff. And I'm not good with that stuff. So, um, but aside from that, I'm, I'm also excited for star ocean, the second story arc. Cause I, I'm interested in all these 2d HD remakes. That's something I want to get more into. Um, and I, I think there was like, Oh, and I think they said they're going to re-release like some of the old metal gear solid games on it. Right. Those were yeah. games I missed that I, wish I had played so that collection that had been announced for PlayStation that is also an Xbox is also coming to uh switch. Yeah. I, between this, all the super Mario things and the peach game, I, I'm curious about that. Um, and detective Pikachu too. I'm curious about that. Like uh, so this, detective Pikachu two is the one for me. Cause I'm like the first one came out, what, like 2016, 2017, something like that. It's been a while. Cause the film came out in between that. I'll say the film came out and the first game ends without really answering what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then when the film came out, they confirmed that the game was not going to, you know, in the movie, 
spoilers question mark for a movie that's several years old now <laughs> but in the movie you know it turns out that detective pikachu is his dad bum, and, bum, bum. and they con- they confirmed when the movie came out that the game was not going to go that route that they were going to still do something different so i'm excited to see what they're going to do with that <laughs> right yeah um ryan you mentioned super mario brothers wonder and like how it looks I, I think at first glance you look at that new game and you go oh it's another new super mario brothers but it is not at all another new super mario right. brothers the like animation in it um the like expressiveness of the characters and everything is just at a it, it's a next step ahead of those games like right. and really kind of a leap ahead of those mm-hmm. games um so I think when you talk about like the world transforming around Mario and um, you know and how different it looks, how animated it looks, mm-hmm. it, you know it does. Even though it shares something kind of similar to the new Super Mario Brothers games, and that it's, you know it's taking this classic two D style and recreating it with polygons, it's just so much more expressive. And like I haven't been excited about those super, new Super Mario Brothers games, even though they're pretty good games. I haven't been excited about them in years. And had they announced another one of those, I would not have been excited. I'm actually really excited about Same. this game. Um, and I think part of it, like those other games, like they looked fine, but they, they were kind of generic looking like yeah. this has like this, this has like a, this, you know, like you were saying, like this feels more expressive, like this, they look more expressive. That's more colorful looking. Um, and like, you know, I know like a lot of these games have like the gimmick, so to speak, but like, Something about like the whole world coming around alive around you feels like they're going a little more all out with that. Mm-hmm. Like and like that could be doing a lot of cool, interesting things. Um Well, I mean the catch with with Mario was always that each new Mario game had a gimmick. Yeah. Right? And one of the problems with the new Super Mario Brothers games is they kind of did each new one have a gimmick, but it, it never felt significant. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it feels significant. This feels like going from Mario one to Mario two. Um, and you know, that's how it should feel with a new Mario game. Right. So, um, and Daisy, <laughs> anything else? So I'm very, very excited for the super Mario RPG remake. Um, because from what I saw, it looked like it was staying pretty true to the original and just being remade for a, a better system. So I really, really enjoyed that game. That was a big step up from other Mario games. Uh, right. And the, the the mechanics in it, I loved it. The idea that you could jump on people's heads as Mario and like in like a traditional JRPG setting type thing, I thought was fantastic. Um, and that that Bowser would be on your side. Uh, yes. As a playable character, right? That's a, another big thing. Uh, so I'm really, really looking forward to this remake uh, as long as it stays true. But I, I trust Nintendo to stay true to the original for this remake, right? And and it looks like it's staying very true. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, lo- it does. Everything they showed off. Um, yeah, and that's an interesting game because that's one of those that if you go back and you play it, even on an emulator now, um, it doesn't it doesn't hold up as well mm-hmm. Because of the style of graphics for mm-hmm. it. So, like, those graphics were very much designed to be on a CRT television. Mm-hmm. When you play that on a modern LCD screen, mm-hmm. it doesn't look as good as it looked on a CRT. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Um, so them completely redoing the graphics is, you know, usually I, I'm very much a purist. I, I like to go back and, you know, you mm-hmm. play Super Mario World and yeah, that game still looks amazing today. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but if you go back and you play Super Mario RPG on a non-CRT, it doesn't look as good as it did. You mm-hmm. know, the same problem that Donkey Kong Country has. It, mm-hmm. it was really designed to be played on a CRT. It doesn't mm-hmm. look as good. No. Um, all right. Well, um, you know, Nintendo, obviously a very great showing and everything. Super exciting for that. Um, let's kind of go on and plow through this news. Um so big news with Microsoft and Activision. Uh, the FTC is not protesting Xbox's motion to withdraw the proceeding for their August trial. This seems like a sign uh, of them quitting or attempting to settle. Uh, so the FTC attempting to settle with Xbox and Activision rather than continue to fight this in court. This comes after the judge rejected their um they're filing for an injunction on the deal. So um, this seems like the FTC kind of throwing in the towel and saying, hey, we want to work with you to just get this done. Uh, PlayStation, meanwhile, seems to have done the same thing. They have signed a 10-year deal uh, to keep Call of Duty on the PlayStation uh, family of consoles. They signed that deal with Microsoft. So uh, this is what Microsoft had basically offered them fairly early on in this whole mess. And PlayStation said, no, we will not sign a deal with you. And now here they are signing the deal. Uh, The CMA in the UK is awaiting a proposal from Microsoft. Um, So they are, they seem to be indicating they might be willing to settle or negotiate some sort of deal rather than fight this out with Microsoft. Um, Remember they originally just shot it, the deal down. So this seems like they're willing to bargain now. Um, and Microsoft and Activision, their deal was supposed to close, um, earlier this week, I believe it was, I think it was Tuesday. Um, and they have delayed the close of that deal, uh, the deadline for it until October. So there was actually a penalty. If they did not complete that deal, Microsoft would have to pay Activision. I believe it was around $3 billion. Oh, wow. Jeez. Um, so the deal fell apart and everything. There was a penalty attached. So Activision has said, no, we'll extend this and give you more time to complete this deal. So this seems to be an indication that they're fairly certain this deal is going to get Mm -hmm. completed. Um, So, you know, everybody's kind of throwing in the towel and saying, okay, let's just get this done. Mm -hmm. Who knows? This might change tomorrow. It might change in a week from now. (laughs) Um, But all signs are pointing to this deal getting done sometime this year. I would say sooner rather than later. Um, let's see, Universal Studios in Orlando has announced that The Last of Us is coming to their Halloween Horror Nights. Um, if you're not familiar with this, this is where each year they set up several elaborate big haunted houses at Universal Studios. Uh, you know, I don't know how long that lasts. I, through October at least, but mm-hmm. I think it's in September as well they start doing these. Um and each year they base these on different film franchises or, you know, so there might be a Friday the 13th one one year mm-hmm. or uh, Nightmare on Elm Street one year, that sort of thing. They were doing one for The Last of Us this year. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah. You know, obviously Universal is kind of going all in on video games mm-hmm. with Super Mario yeah. Land. So yeah. that's kind of fun and exciting to see them doing. So uh, when Six Flags Great America did Fright Fest, which is essentially the same thing, that's where my... Uh, 
the big phobia I have for twins came from. So I'm like, oh, no, I, I, I don't want to have a phobia of Pedro Pascal, but we'll see. <laughs> you have a phobia of twins, just like Massive. any twins? Uh, yeah, so I they always kind of creep me out anyway. Is it because of The Shining? A, do a they have bit. to be identical twins, or is it all twins? So they, pr- they pretty much have to twins. Yeah. <laughs> I so just, just need to be clear here. <laughs> they have to be very identical, and they also have to do movements the same. If they're just identical, it's kind of creepy. Do they have to do them in sync, or can it be like, oh, I'm hanging out with one, and they do it, and then I'm hanging out with sync. the other later, so, and they do it. So here's here's what happened: is I was working at Six Flags Great America in the game. What if in sync was like for Joey Fatone? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I probably wouldn't be watching, so it wouldn't matter. <laughs> um, so, Joey Fatone, send your hate mail to Justin. But All twins, <laughs> send your hate mail and make them duplicates, by the way. <laughs> send them in video message yeah. form with okay. that moving in sync. <laughs> so, okay. So, so, twins always kind of creeped me out, right? Uh, and it may have come from The Shining. I don't know where it came from, but specifically moving very, very the same, identical, like at the same time, right? And so there were two twins. They're young women who were very good at what they did. And what they did was they were creepy twins. And they had dolls of themselves that they were holding that were also twins. And so, the, like, when, they, when I would have to walk past them, like, behind the scenes and stuff like that, I would just kind of avoid them anyway. And then a wait, friend... Wait, wait, so you were working? Yeah. You, this isn't that you went to... Yeah, no, I was, I was stuck. I was working there. <laughs> and then... So a friend of mine there, I told them about it, and so they told the twins. And the twins would come to my game, and they would sit at the end <laughs> of the game no. and just stare at me, not moving, until I looked at them. And then they would both tilt their heads at exactly the same time and do other stuff like that. Oh, that's and I, I was I, like, was frozen. I just couldn't do anything. And they did it multiple times over during Fright Fest. Uh, that's awesome. And wow. like, it, it was especially low time. So it wasn't like I had a bunch of people I had to do and they just stopped there. But yeah. And then and I was just like, oh, I can't do it. And then so now any identical twins, I can't look at them. Like uh, when I was working at McDonald's, there was a set of twins that came in at the same time. And I had to go to the back while they were being served. I just couldn't. It, and it just, I can't do it. This and, is the weirdest bigotry I've ever heard. Of. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've developed a lot of weird phobias over my life. And this is just one of them. I, I have to say, OJ, everything traumatizing in your life is like sadly hilarious. To me. <laughs> yeah. So I, I feel for you, but at the same time, I'm laughing very hard. <laughs> I, I, it's fine. It's fine. I uh, that, That's why I tell people because I know it's funny, but. Uh, that is just the most yeah. wild <laughs> Thing uh, I've ever heard. Like, OJ, what they did to you was awesome. At the same time, I kind of want to be look at them like, that is so savage. You are hilarious. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And like, so pat the, them on the back. Like, good job. <laughs> and it's like the Property Brothers are different enough that they don't upset me and they don't do anything <laughs> weird, right? So they look very, very similar. Oh, man, I find them way creepier than normal. Well, guys. I mean, they're creepy, but not because they're twins. Oh, okay. Um, and so... I just love how that's your go-to for, like, <laughs> twins of, like, no, they're okay. Right, because they <laughs> look different enough. This is how we enough. get canceled, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, they look different enough, and they act different enough that it's fine. So one time they talked at the same time, and I was a little creepy, but that was it, <laughs> right? 
So so they can be pretty <laughs> Meanwhile, identical. I'm like thinking of all the twins I know and trying to think of who I can get mm. here now. <laughs> I have a huge idol and she but and she's a twin and they look exactly the same but they're very different people. They're never together and stuff like that. But she posted a picture of her and her twin together one time and I was like, "Oh, no. Nope. I'm there's, done." There's got to be somebody in this department who's a twin. Uh, as far as I know, no, but I... That's going to be the new question at orientation. Hi, are you a twin? <laughs> no. Yeah. We're going to have a questionnaire. Oh, gee, would like to hang out with both of you. <laughs> at once. And by the way, if you do things at the same time as one another, that's his favorite. Can you can you both go to his office and you know, have to meet with him at the same time? <laughs> and when he opens up the door, just tilt your heads together. <laughs> hey, look, we all have a type. That's their type. They like twins. We'll show them that. <laughs> Yeah, so it may have stemmed from The Shining, but I don't have an actual memory of it stemming from The Shining. That's just what always stemmed from the Psych episode that was a tribute to The Shining. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) This is what always comes to my mind when people talk creepy twins. Mm -hmm. It's The Shining. Yeah, Yeah. that's hard not to. They're not the only ones. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so uh, the things we discover about OJ. (laughs) 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 I feel like. I feel like this is far more like therapy for OJ <laughs> than the rest of us. But I'm, I'm, I'm glad you realize it. <laughs> I'm just now thinking of ways I can combine OJ's different fears and like get twin dolls, <laughs> get twins with animal heads. That'll that'll destroy me. You know what? I bet there's something something in mythology that we can find. <laughs> like they could be twins dressed up twin like centaurs. There you go. <laughs> Two twins dressed up as like Care Bears. <laughs> <laughs> it has to specifically be human with an animal head. Very specifically, that creeps me out too. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll work know, on that. Good to know. Good to know. Halloween still a few months away. We've I'll got say, some projects. We know what, we know what we're doing. <laughs> um, let's see. You know what? I'll just to say like. OJ, porcelain dolls creep me out there. There we go. Just, just so my fears are out That's there. That's fair. All, are, all dolls are terrifying, which is why I'm not going to see Barbie this weekend. <laughs> all dolls go to hell. Yes. <laughs> Dogs go to heaven. Dolls go to hell. <laughs> um, let's see. Blizzard uh, has announced that they are going to start bringing some of their games to Steam, starting with Overwatch 2. Um, this is not too shocking as this... You know, as this Activision deal with Microsoft starts to close, one of the things that Microsoft has done uh, very recently is start bringing, you know, all their PC releases to Steam. Um, So I would imagine that, you know, we'll see most Activision games in the future come to Steam. I think there's a potential where one day we see things like World of Warcraft and other games, you know, uh, on Steam. So uh, not too shocking, but good news, particularly with the Steam Deck out there. I think Mm -hmm. this just makes it easier for people to access and play those games. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see. The Video Game History Foundation released a new study. This is one that they conducted internally uh, that shows 87% of games released before 2010 are not commercially available. So Mm. let me kind of explain this. so basically they went and they looked at you know a few different segments of games they talked about that they looked at particular uh, areas like looking at PlayStation 2 games and Game Boy games and uh, a few others 
Um, and they were particularly interested to see where these games still commercially available, meaning can you go out and buy these games today, whether that is on a disc or it's digitally through uh, a service, um, you know, are these games accessible? They made this very sort of wide ranging. They try to give the biggest benefit of the doubt. So even if it was say a remake of the game, they counted that even though uh, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of purists would say, well, that's not the same game. That's a different mm-hmm. game at that point. But the reason they did this is that as libraries have gone to game developers over the years and said, hey, we want to have your games available where people can check out and access your games, mm-hmm. particularly we want to make them digitally available. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you could go to SIU's library and check out Super Mario World and play that. Uh, digitally, uh, they the game publishers have pushed back and said, "Hey, no, the, we we're still selling these games. We're still making money off of these games. Like you would be cutting us off at the knees if you did this. You cannot do this." They have made these arguments in uh, essentially in to Congress and court, um, and libraries have lost. And part of the reason that libraries have lost is they haven't had data to back up the argument about why these games should be freely available in the same way that we have books and newspapers and, you know, other periodicals and other resources available. So this data, they hope to now take and make that argument that, hey, over 87% of these games aren't available. So when you tell us that we're going to be hurting you, we're not hurting you on eighty over eighty-seven percent of these games. Yeah, um, you know you're you just do not have them available. And they said so. That was part of the reason they were very generous with their depiction of what was you know a game being commercially available mm-hmm. and everything. Well, this is really interesting, and like very very much confirming what I've felt for a long time. Because shoot, when was when was the last time that GameStop had PlayStation 2 games? Mm-hmm. You know, do mm-hmm. they even have PS3 games at GameStop anymore? So, like, yeah, of course. How how many? Because for a lot of years, you know, the PS2 was the most recent game console that I had. Right. Or, like, the Nintendo mm-hmm. DS. And so it's like, yeah, I went a solid probably, like, eight years that I didn't get any new games because... You couldn't even find games for older systems at places like GameStop, right? And like even games that they keep like releasing like mo- like updated versions of, they're still like different experiences. Like, mm-hmm. I you know I it would be cool. Like I don't know if I'd play it the same way. I would you know I don't know if I'd want to play it as much compared to like the versions they have out now. Like the but like the old Super Smart Smash Brothers like on N64 and then Melee on Game uh, GameCube would probably mm-hmm. get a lot of players still. But um you know, like those are like those are very much their own experiences and they're just not like unless, you know, we're talking like emulation or something, like they're not just immediately like legally available for mm-hmm. anyone. Yeah, so one of the pushbacks that people have made against the study is well, hey, you know, emulation does exist. Um, and their sort of counterpoint to that is, yes, we're not stupid. We're completely aware emulation exists. There's a couple of problems with that. One of the problems with emulation is first, it's, it's difficult for a lot of people. I oh. have never figured out emulation. Yeah. Like, I remember being being in high school and 
like my last two years of my last year of high school, everybody got Chromebooks, and there were people sitting in my class like emulating Pokemon Emerald, mm-hmm. and I was like, how? And they literally tried to walk me through it, and I still couldn't figure it out. <laughs> so I teach a, a course in video games, and as part of that course, I have students play old video games. A lot of these are not available, so the only way they can do that is through emulation. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm going to claim the uh, education exemption for why I'm violating <laughs> copyright in that case. But you know, even with that, even with me in class walking students through how to do this, most students are fine, but some students struggle, mm-hmm. and it's not their fault, right? Like it still complicated to do. So what they're arguing is, hey, there needs to be an easier way for this to happen. The other thing is that there needs to be a legal way mm-hmm. to access these games. Yeah. Because if you are a researcher, if you're an academic, like all of us, um, and you want to write about these games, you know, do you write into a, an academic paper, hey, I violated the law in order to access this game. And in a lot of situations, there's no way to access these games without doing that. You know, I, I, I look at old video games as part of my research, and I constantly have to do this because a lot of these games aren't available any other way. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way I can go spend $10 and buy the game. I would in a lot of cases because it's just easier. Yeah. But, you know, they're just not available. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You know, that's their argument for this, which I think is a very sound argument. Uh, you know, I think they have a very strong argument with this. They have the data now to back it up. By the way, this is why people do studies. Um, sometimes when people say, well, it wasn't that obvious. Everybody knows that. It's like, well, there's a good reason Yeah. Uh, to do these studies, to have mm-hmm. the verifiable data that you can point to. Yeah, when yeah. people's like, well, you can't prove that. And I was like, no, we have the evidence right yeah. here. Yeah, and that was very much the case with this. Um, that sort of ties into our next story here uh, real quick. Digital Eclipse, who did the Ninja Turtles Cowabunga collection and Atari 50, has announced the making of Karataka. There's some debate about how to pronounce Karataka. That is the way I've always heard it pronounced, so I'm just going to go with Karataka. Um it is the first in their new Goad Master series. It's going to feature uh, new interviews, prototypes of the game. Um, so Jordan Mincher, when he was developing the game, they're going to have early versions that he was developing, the, including the version that he first sent to publishers to get them interested in the game. Uh, different ports over the years as it was ported to different systems and a whole lot more. So... What they showed of this in a trailer is very much taking the Atari 50 treatment and applying it to one single game. Um, and, you know, a very uh, a very historically important game to most people uh, who grew up in this time period. Uh, Karataka was very much a sort of blending of kung fu and international karate, but it was done with this very sort of cinematic presentation where there were like sort of cutaway cut scenes telling a story, um, you know, a very important game in game history. But again, one of those games that oftentimes you just can't have access to today. Um, and, you know, they're trying to not only give that access, but they're trying to put it into some form of context. So when we talk about video game preservation, 
There is the sort of library preservation that the Video Game History Foundation is pushing for, but then there's also this commercial preservation that uh, Digital Eclipse is doing here. So both types are important and necessary, um, but this seems like a really cool project. Speaking of old games, uh, Limited Run Games held a showcase. This was kind of the, I guess, last big thing of uh, E3 season. Limited Run Games has historically mostly been known for taking games and uh, that were released only digitally and putting them out on uh, disc so that you could own a physical version of that game um, or re-releasing old games that are now extremely rare that people might want to buy a copy of. So as part of this, they announced several different things. I, I picked up um, some of the highlights to me. Uh, one of those is Shantae Advance uh, Risky Revolution. This is actually a Shantae game that was being developed for the um, Game Boy Advance that never actually got released, and they are actually giving it a release now. Uh, the Tomba games are also getting a release. Uh, these are sort of classic PlayStation 1 platformers. I want to play that. Uh, Gex Trilogy is getting a release. This is the first three Gex games. Uh, the original Gex is one of those sort of showpiece 3DO games. It was one of those super popular 3DO games. If you ask somebody, what should I play on the 3DO? I guess Gex. <laughs> um, they're, they're not the best games, but they were very notable at the time. The comedian Dana Gould did the voice for Gex, so he's just constantly talking while you're playing the game and making comments on the levels and everything. Um, again, they're not the best platformers, but... <laughs> They have a special place in history at that time because they were really kind of showpieces at I, that time. They were also they, games that I had completely forgotten about until I saw this, and then I was like, oh, yeah, those exist. <laughs> Same. Like, I had fun with them kind of when I was a kid, but, they, you know, they were not, like, on Tier with Mario or something. But Right. Uh, although now I kind of want to see them re-release it, but instead of, like, Gex, you just replace Gex with, like, an, 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 an a 64-bit model of, like, Dana Gold and just call it Dana Gold Simulator. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what Dana Gold is doing these days. He might be up for that. <laughs> um, they are giving Clock Tire a U.S. release. This is the 16-bit version of Clock Tire before what? Like, I didn't even know this game. I'd, I don't think I'd ever heard of Clock Tire until the PlayStation games mm -hmm. came out. Um, so these are most famous. Uh, OJ, you seem to be familiar Um uh, a guy chases you around with giant scissors trying yeah. to chop your head off. <laughs> what? Um, so these were early, like, horror games. You know, this is well before uh, even Resident <laughs> Evil and everything. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's what it is. Like, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, Horrifying and, at the time. Funny. <laughs> yeah. Even at the time, a little kind of goofy. Yeah. But <laughs> in the way that slasher films progressively get more and more goofy as mm -hmm. each one has to have a gimmick, uh, yeah. you know. And so they're like, hey, this yeah, guy has yeah. a frying pan. Like, ah. Who knew, right? <laughs> it's the evil killer frying pan Dan. <laughs> um, so the original 16-bit game is getting a port and released in the U.S. for the very first time. So that's pretty cool. And then the last one here is Plumbers Don't Wear Ties Definitive Edition. <laughs> Didn't you say it's also getting, like, a novelization or something? Yeah, they're getting a novelization alongside it. Uh, Written by Salman Rushdie. I think as part of, like, the 
collect this definitive edition. You'll get the novelization. <laughs> uh, plumbers don't wear ties at the time. So this is a game I have never really played. Um, at the time that it was released, it was heavily hyped as being, um, how should I say this? Um, it was a, a Skinamax game was the way that they were promoting it. So the, like it was very much promoted as being like soft core pornographic in the way that you might see on Cinemax in that era. Um, by the way, so young kids, there used to be a time that <laughs> before the internet that uh, people watched pay television channels like HBO and Cinemax for pornography and, um, you know, which is weird because, like, they don't do any of that anymore, I don't think. Yeah. Like, I think the internet basically killed that off for them. Yeah, and it was it was pretty much light pornography. So you would see boobs maybe and maybe, uh, maybe a soft penis at one point or another and maybe a buttocks, but that was about it. It was very soft core. Yeah, like, yeah. This, very, is not, very this is not what you get at the adult <laughs> bookstore these days. And if your parents didn't pay for it, you watched it through squiggly lines. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't decrypted for you. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, this game was very much hyped to be that in video game format. And that was a lot of the hype around it, that it was going to have full motion video and everything showcasing this. Uh, my understanding is that the actual game has like full motion video as an introduction. And then the actual gameplay is very much kind of a slideshow. I actually read somebody describe it as, uh, the first visual novel, <laughs> which I immediately thought of you, Ryan. <laughs> Maybe Ryan will be really interested in this game. Uh, I, uh, I don't know. For hist uh, historical reasons, <laughs> research. Um, so I don't actually know like how, uh, how scandalous the game is. It is widely often uh, remarked upon as one of the worst video games yeah. ever made, though. Uh, so it very much did come out in that era where people were trying to make, you know, interactive movies as a video game thing. And most of those are pretty terrible. So I am getting the room vibes from this. Yeah, <laughs> I think very much that. I think that's the right vibes. Um, most of those, most of those, you know, multimedia games of that era are very much <laughs> are the quality of acting that you see in the room. <laughs> um, so, this is kind of interesting just from a historical standpoint to go back and like make this available. But it's also one of those where you go, is anyone really, you know, craving this game to be released? You're like, and well, that might be part of the 87% of games that are actually available. <laughs> Does that one need to be? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I have a question that's very important to this. Um, are Wario and Waluigi plumbers? Like, what is their job? You know, it's. I don't think they've ever said like what mm -hmm. their job was. Like they're just like the evil versions of Mar. Which I mean begs the question: how like how much do they follow that evil versions mm -hmm. of something? But because if they are, they could be the plumbers that don't wear ties. <laughs> if you're bringing it to a new audience. <laughs> um, oh no! Are, are you saying you want a Waluigi porn game? <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm sure there's already Waluigi porn out there somewhere. <laughs> they could just bring it to a game. <laughs> Uh, like just rule 34 uh, <laughs> with, with Wario and Wario. I mean, you're not wrong, but <laughs> why would you say something so controversial? <laughs> Nintendo will work in association with... 
with limited run games. <laughs> I mean, this is our 50th episode. It's also our last episode. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, see, but here's the counterpoint to that. Mm-hmm. I don't think Nintendo would allow that after they flattened Mario's butt already. That's fair. That is very fair. <laughs> yeah. I, no, Nintendo is... But, I mean, having said that, Nintendo at one point said that uh, Night Trap would never appear on Nintendo console. They said that in Congress. Yeah. That this would never appear on Nintendo console, and you can go buy Night Trap on your Switch right now. Really? I did not know that. (laughs) I thought that game was dead. Of the 87%? (laughs) Yeah. They put that game back out. They put out Uh, a, a remastered version of it. (laughs) <laughs> it's actually, it's actually pretty good. That yeah. game's not very good, yeah. but the remastering's pretty good. <laughs> um, oh my god! I'm surprised. I'm I'm kind of surprised. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, people in their nineties was <laughs> why yeah. nobody should wear. Yeah, nobody the, should play video games. That's the game where they're um, in Congress. They were saying that it was a game about raping women, and you know the developers had to go to Congress and go. There's no raping of anyone in this game. There's no sex in this game. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, it, so yeah, there's a whole. There's a very good documentary about that game. <laughs> yeah, I, I know like that. about the history. But I just I, I actually thought it was gone. I didn't think you'd play that. I'm I am shocked that there's a remaster. <laughs> I'm yeah. shocked that Nintendo has it. Like I, I actually think that would have been something they would have kept their foot down on. <laughs> they were just giving an fu to Congress. Yeah. Edgy, being edgy. So is Plumbers Don't Wear Ties Definitive Edition coming to Nintendo Switch? <laughs> I, I think it actually is. It will be the final game released on the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> um, oh, but, my word. You know, it's it's neat that Limited Run Games is doing these mm-hmm. sorts of projects. Yeah. Um, you know, even if not all of these interest me personally. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, but I, I think it's really cool to see them doing this sort of work. Um, and... One last uh, bit of news here. On July 15th, the Famicom, the Nintendo family computer in Japan, turned 40 years old. So the NES, that is the Japanese version of the NES. Uh, We wouldn't get it for three more years. So, well, two years, but wide release three more years in 1986. Uh, This is, you know, historical. 40 years since the NES. Um, This was released in 1983. In Japan, at the height of the console market crash in the U.S., mm-hmm. when toy stores were like basically just shoving video games out mm-hmm. the door, and it's like here's a big bin of them, you know, uh, get take any you want for a dollar, um, and they were just trying to get rid of them, and so they waited uh, two years or two and a half years uh, to release it in the U.S. in a very limited trial market, and eventually a year later got a wide release. That's 1986. That's when most of us think of the release of the NES. Um, but, you know, that's quite a milestone in video game history. Um, and not a whole lot was, like, as far as I know, Nintendo didn't do anything big to celebrate this, which seems kind of weird. Mm-hmm. So I, I wonder if they'll wait, you know, two or three more years and do a big thing to celebrate the NES at 40. 40 seems like a big milestone <laughs> yeah. that they would want to do something significant Your with. console could be somebody's dad, the daddy gun. <laughs> That's true. We could be teaching the NES's child. <laughs> it could be old enough to be one of our students. Grandchild, probably. <laughs> well, yeah. No, I guess they wouldn't be in college. but Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> well, I mean, it depends. Like, you know, uh-huh. when, how how young was the NES getting busy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have no words. <laughs> I have no words. <laughs> You can ask Mario and Luigi, and the, the plumbers <laughs> don't wear hat or don't don't wear ties. Don't wear hats. <laughs> the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> They're just slowly undressing game by game. <laughs> wow, Luigi striptease. <laughs> plumbers don't wear pants. <laughs> no, no, stop. All right, um, that does it for news. We got to get out of here before this We're gets much broken. darker. Um, but since this is uh, Ryan's final episode, we want it to end with something kind of fun to do. So we're going to do our a game that we've done before here where I am going to give you three games. You're going to tell me which one of these games did not get a North American release. Mm. So this time, these are all Sega Genesis games. Wow. These all came out for the 16-bit Sega Genesis I'll give you three titles. You tell me which one. Um, it may have come out in Japan or somewhere mm-hmm. else, or it may not even exist. It may be a completely made-up game. Um, you're going to pick the one that's never got released in North America. Everyone clear on the rules? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, and I am going to let you all keep score for yourselves. All right? Okay. Everybody on the honor system keeps mm-hmm. score for themselves. Wow, I can't believe I got 10 million points. Wow. <laughs> Especially when there's only 10 of these. I didn't put in already won. All right. Um, number one, the three games are The Adams Family, Adams Family Values, Ghostbusters. Three, uh, three movies. Which one of those didn't actually get a release on the Sega Genesis? In North America. In North America. <laughs> Everybody got their answer? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I do. All right. Do we want to do these one at a time or go through them at the end? Let's do one at a time. Yeah. Okay. Because otherwise I'll forget what my answer was. <laughs> yeah. All right. Alicia, what do you answer? I'm leaning Adam's Family Values? Question mark? It's the second film. Mm-hmm. I'm leaning Adam's Family. All right. All right. So initially I was thinking Adam's Family because I remember the Adam's Family game on the NES that wasn't related to the movies. But then I remember... Again, I remember playing this in the SNES, the the Adams Family Values game, and I think that it was on both. Uh, and then so I'm like, well, maybe the Adams Family movie had one on Genesis as well. So I'm going with Ghostbusters. All right, so we got three different answers: mm-hmm. Adams Family, Adams Family Values, and mm-hmm. Ghostbusters. And the correct answer is Adams Family Values. Yes. Oh. Okay. All right. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, OJ had such good logic. Like, he had such a good reason. So I, I actually was logicing too, though, because I'm like, yeah. Adam's Family Values was more, was the last one. Uh-huh. So it would maybe be on another system. <laughs> well, okay. So the Adam's Family game that was on the Genesis, it was based on the movie and not the Nintendo one, right? I believe so. Okay. Okay. So. Um, 
There is a Ghostbusters game. Um, it is a different one than the 8-bit Ghostbusters game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, all right. Um, it doesn't have Winston in it either. So, like, adding okay. more adding more fuel to the fire of how cheated he got and yeah. mistreated. Okay. Yeah. All right. Second question. Three games are NHL 93, NHL Hockey, NHL PA Hockey 93. NHL 93, NHL Hockey, NHL PA Hockey 93. And I'll just add this so if there's any confusion. NHL PA is the National Hockey League Players Association. That's what that mm-hmm. stands for, if you've never heard I of it. I definitely thought it was going to be Pennsylvania, so I'm glad you put that <laughs> <on you. laughs> it's, it's just the flowers and the penguins. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, that seems like an easy one. <laughs> I mean, that's like um, that's like the uh, uh, where is Carmen San Diego game that they made that's just about uh, South Dakota. <laughs> like that game actually exists. Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. I think it's South Dakota. It's one of those states. That's beautiful. All right, everybody have their answer? Yeah. I think so. All right, uh Alicia. I'm saying NHL hockey mm-hmm. because it just angers me that it would be National Hockey League hockey. <laughs> right. Uh Ryan. I kind of did that for the same logic. We'll see if, we'll see how that plays, but <laughs> Okay, you're picking NHL hockey as well? Yeah, I'm pitching NHL hockey. So I'm going to say NHL 93 because I don't remember games having years on them until much later than that. So that's what I'm thinking. And whereas Players Association and 93 makes sense, but just NA, like NHL 93 or Shell 93, I don't, I don't think that came until later. So that's my answer. All right. Um well, this time OJ's logic sort of pans out. NHL ninety three is the correct answer. Um, it, however, it is only one year later that we got NHL ninety four, which is the very much classic one that everyone talks about mm-hmm. and everything. Um, the Genesis. Um, I think the story goes that NHL PA is actually that game. Before it becomes NHL 94, they couldn't get the actual NHL license, so they only got the Players Association license. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. Question number three. It's another sports one. NFL Sports Talk Football 93. Mean Joe Green NFL Football. Primetime NFL starring Deion Sanders. Wait, can we repeat those? Yes. Um, which one of these did not come out in North America? NFL Sports Talk Football 93, Mean Joe Green NFL Football, or Primetime NFL starring Deion Sanders. And I will tell you that uh, both Deion Sanders and Mean Joe Green, real football players, Mm -hmm. those aren't being made up. (laughs) Deion Sanders (laughs) played for the Dallas Cowboys. Well, most famously, uh, Mean Joe Green played for the Pittsburgh uh, Steelers. I know nothing about football. What was the last one one more time? Um, Primetime NFL starring Deion Sanders. All right, everybody have their answer? Yeah. You don't sound confident. 
I'm not 100% confident on this one. I'm okay. not at all confident. I am not confident <laughs> at all. <laughs> all right, Alicia, what'd you get put? I'm going to say Mean Joe Green NFL football just because because he's the one who had the Coke commercial, right, for the Super Bowl? He did, one of the most famous Super Bowl commercials ever. And so, like, that's what you think of with him. I've never thought of him in association with video games. Have you ever thought of Deion Sanders in association with No, video but games? I've never thought of Deion Sanders at all, so. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Deion. <laughs> all right, uh, Ryan, which one do you pick? I picked NFL 93. I thought I was trying to use some of OJ's logic there. See if hopefully I'm hoping it works out on this. Okay. I did, the, I did the same thing as I didn't remember years being on um, N93. Uh, so that's why I'm going with that. And also, uh, I know Mean Joe Green and I know Deion Sanders. And at that point, I didn't really watch football. So I would know their names from somewhere. It could be pop culture or it could be video games that people were playing. All right. The correct answer is poor Mean Joe Green. Oh. Mean Joe, <laughs> Joe Green did not have a Sega Genesis uh, game. Uh, NFL Sports Talk Football was famous for having actual digitized speech for the uh, commentary, the play-by-play. Oh, I you know I think I remember that now. Yeah, they made mm-hmm. um, they made a, a few different ones of those. Um, all right, number four, Lethal Enforcers, the Lawnmower Man. That's great. Light Brigade. Lethal Enforcers. The Lawnmower Man. Light Brigade. Which one of those never got a U.S. release? Alicia. I'm going to say Light Brigade. But Lawnmower Man is just such a fun title <laughs> that I just want us to. I want that to be real. <laughs> it's a really fun movie. <laughs> All right, Ryan. I same similar thing. I Lethal Enforcer sounds vaguely familiar. I don't feel like I've ever heard of Light Brigade or. It, I mean, it it could be like a title or something, but I it's just it's never rung a bell, and I just. Want it to be real that there was a Lawnmower Man video game mm-hmm. on the Sega because, like that that movie was such a trip and that would be so wild. <laughs> That's legit a movie. I thought you were making fun of me. No, no it's, it's it a, is. It's <laughs> really a movie. It's about we like, we bully poor Alicia so much <laughs> that even when we tell the truth, she's like, "You guys are bullying me." Right? <laughs> I want to say, was Pierce Brosnan in it? Yes. Okay. What? Uh, I need to Google this was later. Was it a Stephen King novel or no? I for some reason I think it was. Stephen I think King. it's yes. like loosely inspired by like a book or story okay. of his. I don't know okay. if it's like that loyal of a adaptation. Well, okay. I need to Google this later. Yeah. Loose is being very generous. Yeah, <laughs> it has nothing at all to do okay. with the Stephen King yeah. story. Okay. But it, it is also the title of a Stephen King story. It is yeah. taken from Stephen King. Uh-huh. So the Lawnmower Man versus it is the Blade Runner. <laughs> it is technically an adaptation of Stephen King. Okay. Okay. So uh, I'm going to say I Lethal Enforcers rung a bell. I, re- I seem to remember a very bad Lawnmower Man video game that, again, would have been a loose adaptation of the movie, which was a loose adaptation of the book. <laughs> it's also a tabletop um, RPG, no joke. Yeah, but I, I, 
I also remember that the movie was a very bad video game <laughs> in itself. Yes. Uh, so uh, that may have that may be messing up with my brain, but I I didn't go with that. I went with Light Brigade. All right. Uh, I think all three of you went with Light Brigade. Uh-huh. Is that correct? Wait, Ryan, did you go with Light yes, Brigade? Yes, I did go yeah. with Light Brigade. Uh-huh. You all get that one. Wow. Okay. Light Brigade is the made-up one. Lethal Enforcers is a gun game. Uh-huh. Um, I, it was an arcade gun game first mm-hmm. before coming home. Digital clips bring back the Lawnmower Man. <laughs> I want the Lawnmower Man game. And uh, so if I recall, it was a very, very bad, not related to the movie, or barely related to the movie game. It, like most licensed games of that yeah. time, like the okay. Home Alone game or yeah. the uh, Home Improvement game. Right. It's okay. very what? little to do with the actual uh-huh. property. There's a Home yeah, there Improvement is. game. There yes, is. there is a Home Improvement game. Yeah. Is it like a visual novel? <laughs> no. no, that would make much more sense than an actual game. <laughs> Um, All right, everybody ready? Yeah. All right. Question five. The Simpsons Hit and Run, Krusty's Super Fun House, The Simpsons Bart versus the Space Mutants, The Simpsons Hit and Run, Krusty's Super Fun House, The Simpsons Bart versus the Space Mutants. Wait, was this for a specific Sega console or? Sega Genesis. Bart versus the... Space Mutants. Space Mutants. Okay. Which one, Alicia? I'm going to say Simpsons Hit and Run, because I feel like that just sounds like too generic of a name for Simpsons game. Mm-hmm. All right, Ryan? I'm going to say Simpsons Hit and Run because it is a game, but, and I played it, however... It was, like, well well after the Genesis. It was on, like, I remember it being on, like, Xbox and PlayStation 2 and stuff. So I think I played it on PlayStation 2. Okay. So I know that Bart versus the Space Monsters is a game that was on the Genesis. Mutants. Space Mutants, I'm sorry. Yeah. It is a game that was on the Genesis, like, 99.8%. I'm pretty sure it was. Um, and then... I Chris- hope it's that one. Crusty <laughs> uh, Super Fun House. Uh, it it rings a bell, so I don't know if it was something, if it was a game, or if it was something else, or if I'm just making that up. But and I don't remember Simpsons Hit and Run, so I'm going to go with again Hit and Run. Again, all three of you got it right. Okay. It is Simpsons Hit and Run. Yeah. I remember you can make prank calls in Bart versus the Space Mutants. Um, I think. I'm like 98% sure that you could put a coin in a phone booth and make a... You like, might also be thinking of the NES game. Maybe, maybe. But That could be. But I do remember Space Mutants were there, and you had to graffiti, right? Yep. Okay. But yep. Simpsons Hit and Run was legitim- Was a game. It was a legitimately mm-hmm. fun one, and I'd like... That, that would be a game I think needs to be brought back, because mm-hmm. it was Grand Theft Auto, but with the Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Thus it being called Hit and Run. Mm-hmm. And you um, could run around as Homer and just beat up as beat up people like in Springfield. And <laughs> all right, question number six: Shinobi Three: Return of the Ninja Master, Shadow Dancer: The Secret of Shinobi, or Shinobi Two. Which one of these did not get a uh, North American Sega Genesis release? Again, they are Shinobi 3, Return of the Ninja Master, or Shadow Dancer, The Secret of Shinobi, 
or Shinobi 2? <laughs> All right, Alicia. Which of the shinobis is not a true ninja? <laughs> <laughs> I am going to go with shinobi 2 because I feel like having that subtitle is very like <laughs> that era where it's just shinobi 2. <laughs> I don't know. That's the one that stands out to me as different. So that's the one I'm going with. <laughs> I I certainly wouldn't put something in here different just to throw you off. No, <laughs> of course not. <laughs> I chose Shinobi 2 also, I think, just because I, I don't know, I think the idea that, not for any great logic, but the idea that you'd get Shinobi 3, but there wouldn't be a Shinobi 2 would be funny. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems like kind of the weird thing that might happen. Like, or like mm-hmm. they would rename it to not be Shinobi 2, but yeah. then come out with Shinobi 3. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm I'm doubting myself. No. Okay, so the, I, I already what I already picked is uh, Shadow Dancer, Secret of Shinobi, because I thought maybe either that was on the Master System or it didn't come to the U.S. But they brought two and three, um, and so that I thought that would be the twist that you were giving us. Um, but now that I'm thinking about oh, it, like that would be the first game. Yeah, then, oh. but then I'm thinking, like, if we look at Final Fantasy, the numbers are out of order coming from Japan, so maybe they would have just skipped the three on the Shinobi one. Mm. But so that that's me doubting myself. But I'm I'm still going with Shadow Dancer. Okay, <laughs> the correct answer is Shinobi Two. Yes. Okay. Shadow Dancer is one of my favorite Sega Genesis games. Mm-hmm. It's about dancing with Shadow the Hedgehog. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you actually have a wolf in that game, mm-hmm. and you can, like, sick him on enemies. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. But, okay, that's pretty badass. Mm-hmm. Actually, he's maybe a dog. I don't know. I, I never knew he looks like a wolf. So <laughs> I, think, I think I always confused it a bit with, um, uh, what was his name, Timber? Was that yes. uh, Snake Eyes dog? Yes, his wolf. Wolf, yeah. <laughs> I'll say Timber I know is a wolf. All right. Uh, yes, because it, it's a reference to a Timber wolf, right? Um, let's see. Number seven. Saturday Night Slam Masters. The Smurfs Tour of the World. <laughs> Such a stupid name. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighters. Which one of these did not get a North American release on the Sega Genesis? Saturday Night Slam Masters. The Smurfs Tour of the World, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Tournament Fighters. All right, Alicia. I'm going to go with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Tournament Fighters. Cowabunga. (laughs) I, I have no real logic on that one like I have for previous ones. That's just what's jumping out at me. All right. Uh, Ryan. Okay, I picked the same one because the first game you said sounds vaguely familiar. The second game sounds like some, like, flash-in-the-pan Smurfs game that would have existed. And I and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle ones, I picked that one because I even though I don't really haven't really played any of their games, I hear about them so often, like they still come back up and they still get brought back, like, you know, recently. 
Um, I feel like I would have heard something about this at some point. Um, unless it was just so bad and forgettable that, you know, it, it doesn't get mentioned. But I, I'm going to guess it's that one. Okay. All right. So I'm going to go with Smurfs Tour of the World. Because, again, Saturday Night Slam Masters rings a bell for me. Uh, and TMNT Tournament Fighters, if I recall correctly, was... I know it was on the Super Nintendo, pretty sure, because it was in the Blockbuster Video Game World Championships, mm. and I had to learn to play it. <laughs> and that was on the Super Nintendo. OJ, you have never dated yourself more than with us. <laughs> <laughs> it was at a Blockbuster video, and we had to go in and play and get our score taken. It was this and NBA Jam, and... Oh, no, maybe it wasn't this. Or was it the... Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I played this at a Blockbuster. So I know I played this on a Super Nintendo at a Blockbuster. Pretty sure. So I'm going with Smurfs Tour of the World. Not everything that was released on Super Nintendo got a port to Genesis. I know, I know, but a lot of things did. So I that's what I'm going for. All right. Well... One could argue that his blockbuster days have finally paid off. Ah! <laughs> this, uh, um, so the Smurfs Tour of the World is the one, uh, the correct answer. The Smurfs Tour of the World, actually a real game, but it only got a release in Europe, mm. where the Smurfs were always much bigger than mm-hmm. the rest of the world. Really? Because people in Europe are very short. Uh, they're based... <laughs> 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 I thought OJ was about to get something to throw at me. <laughs> um, yes, the the creator of this the Smurfs, like as comic strips and stuff, was mm-hmm. um, he's from Europe somewhere. I forget where he's from. Huh. If I say wh- where I think he's from, it's going to be wrong, and so that's fair. <laughs> rather not say. Um, People of Europe, please send your hate mail to. <laughs> Why would I get hate mail? I just don't know what country say, he's from. I might get hate mail. <laughs> yes, you might. <laughs> Not a short supply of it either. Um, but I'm tish. <laughs> so Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighters actually did come out on the Super Nintendo and the Sega Genesis, but they're actually two different games. Um, and when they put out the Cowabunga Collection... Uh, last year, they actually put both of those on there because oh. they actually play fairly different. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. Number eight. Um, speaking of Europe, Tintin in Tibet. <laughs> I know Tibet's not in Europe, but Tintin's from Europe. Yeah. Um, so Tintin in Tibet or Todd's Adventures in Slime World. Or TNN Outdoors Bass Tournament 96. Tintin in Tibet, or Todd's Adventures in Slime World, or TNN Outdoors Bass Tournament 96. All right. Alicia, which of those did not come out in North America on the Genesis? I'm going to go with... I love how much this pains. <laughs> <laughs> uh, more I'm just bracing myself because I know y'all are going to make fun of me for my logic on this one. <laughs> I'm going to go with TNN Outdoors Bass Tournament 96 because the reason why they created Big the Cat for Sonic Adventure 1 was to 
pitch, they were doing a fishing game, and so they wanted people to get the fishing rod controller and get used to and figure that out. And so Sega Bass Fishing. That's right. So from that, I'm thinking they did not have a fishing game before that. So I'm going with TNN Outdoors Bass Tournament 96. Actually, your logic is making me heavily question my choice. (laughs) (laughs) Solid Sonic logic. I went with 1010 into bat just because, like, the TNN, like, one sounded like a game that would exist more so. Um, I could see you, like, and I also, it's just like, Justin just going on a thing about, like, what if this European comic exists as a video game? <laughs> <laughs> like, so I didn't, um, I thought maybe there was, like, a just comes on going gag from you there, Justin, but I could be wrong. And um, the that middle one, something in the world of slime. Todd's Adventures in Slime World. That sounds like something I heard of. We'll see how my logic works there. I, I'm heavily doubting my original logic. I'm tempted to just <laughs> jump and to say, no, the TNN one's fake, but I'm, I'm going to stick to it just because that's why I originally picked. So my guess is that 1010 in Tibet. <laughs> sounds like a tongue twister. <laughs> it, it's a little difficult to say. <laughs> is the fake game. All right, OJ. So uh, I'm going to go with Todd's Adventures in Slime World. Because I remember in the early to mid-90s, there was a Tin Tin revolution in the U.S. for a very brief time. So I can see them making a game for it. Um, just like with all of the other properties that they made horrible games for. And I remember a lot of like TNN Outdoors Bass Tournament type games being out at that time too. And especially everything being numbered. Um, so I'm assuming that that one is real. So I'm again, I'm going with Todd's. All right. So... A little historical fact for the kids out there. Uh, TNN stood for the Nashville Network, Mm -hmm. and it's eventually what morphed into Spike TV, Mm -hmm. um, which I think actually is now like Paramount TV. Yeah, I'll say Spike is under Paramount. Yeah, because Spike doesn't exist Uh anymore, which was like the man network Uh for a while. Yeah, Yeah. I remember that. Um, Also the network that had lip sync battle. (laughs) (laughs) So TNN actually did put out a fishing game in the 90s. Actually, they put out uh, multiple fishing games in the 90s. Uh, Todd's Adventures in Slime World is absolutely the most generic title game you can possibly imagine, but it's also real. Tintin in Tibet, also real, but only ever came out in Europe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Woot. All right. Number nine. Only two more of these to go. Number nine? (laughs) All right. This is the W category. Mm -hmm. Warlock. Warrior of Rome 2. Or Wayne's World 2. Warlock. Warrior of Rome 2. Or Wayne's World 2. Or Warlock Harry. <laughs> After this, Alicia's going to give me a long lecture on what the difference between a wizard and a warlock <laughs> are. Uh, a warlock's just a wizard without a hat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alicia. I'm I'm going to go with... 
Warrior of Rome 2, because while I personally cannot envision how the heck you would make a Wayne's World 1 game, let alone a Wayne's World 2 game, I feel like it's something that would have been done. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to go Warrior of Rome 2. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm going with the same thing. I, I honestly, this is one of the ones where I feel more lost on. Um, <laughs> Warlock and Warrior of Rome don't ring bells at all, so it's almost kind of a gamble between those two for me. And Wayne's World too. Like I don't even really know that for sure, but it feels like something that would exist. So I'm just gambling on Warrior of Rome too, because, mm-hmm. I mean, if you did make a Warrior of Rome game, it'd be hard for me to imagine that a game with a title like that would like get a sequel. <laughs> <I don't laughs> know, like, it, it's like let's or make wouldn't it. have some fun subtitle. Or, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm also going with Warrior of Rome too because I remember Wayne's World games. I whether that's false memories or not, who knows? But also there was a movie called Warlock that came out in like the late '80s, early '90s, I think. And I remember he killed the baby and he tore a gay guy's eyes out um, to use for a spell. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and I re- I remember there being like, oh hey, there's a gay character. Oh 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 goodness, right? And you start uh, to learn that bad trope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very, very much a kill your gaze. So, uh, but I think, I, like, I seem to remember there being a video game for that, whether it was on the Genesis, I don't know. But so that's why I'm going with Warrior of Rome 2. <sighs> Dana Carvey is going to be so upset. There was never a Wayne's World 2 okay. game oh, on Sega okay. Genesis. All right. Final question. This is for all the marbles. Maybe. I don't know who's ahead. Say, who's got marbles? (laughs) I I I lost mine. This is for that candy bar that you gave to Ryan. Wait. (laughs) That was a gift. Um, All right. Question 10. Here are the three choices Alex Kid in Shinobi World. Alex Kid, one word, or like Alex Space Kid? Alex Kid. In Shinobi World. Two different words. Five words in that title. 29 letters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making that part up. <laughs> Alex Kidd in Shinobi World. Alex Kidd in the Enchanted Castle. Wonder Boy in Monster World. Alex Kidd in Shinobi World. Alex Kidd in the Enchanted Castle. Wonder Boy in Monster World. Which of those did not come out on the Sega Genesis in North America? For those of you listening, um, there's so much pained expressions as all three of them just look at these titles and think it over so hard. Um, just you would you would think there was an actual prize, so they may fight. <laughs> Is that a Nestle Crunch bar? They may fight over that Nestle Crunch bar. <laughs> Is Ryan about to lick it? (laughs) He could just lick the wrapper, I suppose. Nobody's going to touch it. (laughs) All right, Alicia, what do you got? For no reason at all, Alex Kidd in the Enchanted Castle. Okay. Well, at least one of the Alex Kidd games apparently happened, so I've never heard of them, but at least one of them happened, so I'm going to 
going to assume maybe it somehow got a sequel, and I'm going to assume it's say it's Wonder Boy and Monster World that's the fake game. Uh, well, how will that logic pan out? We shall see. Okay. Um, so I went with Wonder Boy uh, and Monster World because I know that they were Alex Kid games, and I never played them. But I can, and then I was thinking maybe is Shinobi World a false flag because we had the other Shinobi games. I thought that about. I thought about that because at yeah. first I was like, this was when we were in the era of no. But then we had the other games with the Shinobi in the title, so I was yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, and then I was like, so as as Justin throwing us like a, a false flag curveball here with with the Shinobi World one. So then I so I decided to go with Monster Boy because I remember a Monster World game, but I don't think it was Wonder Boy. So there, there's my, there's my my. It was possible like Alex Kidd, like I mean, it would depend on if it was released before, uh-huh. after was trying to go off the coattails of mm-hmm. uh, Shinobi. I don't, who knows? Yeah. I don't know. But all right, everybody done picking. Uh-huh. Wonder Boy is my choice. Enchanted yeah. Castle. Wonder Boy. <laughs> the correct answer is Shinobi World. Ah, you got you. Uh-huh. You called it. Okay. Yeah. Alex Kidd and Shinobi World is a real game. Uh-huh. But it came out on the 8-bit master system. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So count up the total number of points that you have. I got 5 out of 10. 4 out of 10. 4 out of 10. I still won! <laughs> <laughs> I believe Alicia won last time we I played. I did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like, man, I only got 5. I definitely didn't win this time. I still won! Alicia has the weirdest skill <laughs> at picking out fake video games yeah. or games that simply didn't get a release in the U.S. Uh, I don't know what that's useful for, but congratulations, uh, the, Alicia. The occasional trivia night. <laughs> um, all right. That does it for this week's show. Uh, thank you, Alicia, Ryan, and OJ for Ooh. being here. Thank you for those of you who are listening. Special thank you to Ryan because we're going to miss you. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, My fists will be sad. They have nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be there to punch. Yeah. Um, it will be. It'll be a, a major shift in this podcast, but it'll also be a major shift in this department and you know, uh, our lives and everything, not having you in it on a day-to-day basis. So we are going to miss you. Um, you know, I think hopefully you already knew that, but, um, hopefully, you know, now you have it for posterity. You can like (laughs) five years from now say, no, no, you said you would miss me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know, Again, thank you for all that you've done as part of this, you know, playing for pets, but also just, like, as part of the department. Um, Thank you. I appreciate it. I think you've meant uh, a lot to a lot of people here at SIU. Um, But we will be back soon-ish. We'll have to figure out our schedules and everything with a new episode. Um, We will... Figure out what we're going to do with that empty chair. We we may just like make a voodoo doll of Ryan <laughs> there. We like can, can punch that. It's like in uh, what we do in the shadows, where there's a little doll of her <laughs> that. <laughs> when when one of us gets frustrated, we'll just throw things at it, and yeah. <laughs> Ryan at his new job will go ah in the, <laughs> in the middle of a department meeting or something. Yeah. So it'll be entertaining for all involved. <laughs> They'll be teaching their first class as a full non-graduate assistant instructor and just all of a sudden 
Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank you for those of you who are listening. Um, 50 episodes is quite an accomplishment for any podcast mm-hmm. to get to. And thank you. You know, we've been thinking Ryan a lot, but thank you to uh, Alicia and OJ as well for uh, contributing to this. Um, you know, obviously without the three of you, this podcast never would have gotten to 50 episodes. So it has been a team effort to get here. Uh, we hope to do 50 more. Um, and it's been kind of an, an exciting experience for all of us. I hope. Um, well, uh, thank you to two. Thank you to you too. Oh, excuse me. Thank I, you I to you say. too, Justin. There we go. That's what I was trying to say. Uh, for like organizing and putting this all together. And, yeah, this and literally frankly, wouldn't happen without you. Yeah. So, but, and we appreciate it. And bringing all your vast knowledge of video games and video game history is. Yes. I love it. We, really we all deeply thank you. And yeah. we all will always be there to ask you how you're doing. Yeah. Well, that's great. Uh, I expect regular <laughs> check ins from yeah. you, Ryan, even mm-hmm. from afar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I appreciate it. This is something that's been a lot of fun to me. And so being able to share it and have the different views and different perspectives, I think has just made this podcast that much more interesting. Um, so here's to 50 more. Um, thank you for listening and we'll be back soon.